gentlemen and welcome to another no budget nightmares this is mo he's a bad film hating while i skating all the while masturbating that's, that's mo porn, porn. Yeah. yeah and with me as always is the one and only doug tilly he's bow, doug bow, tilly bow, bow, number bow, one super bow, guy bow, bow. welcome back doug yes we're back we are back, back in black uh i feel like we start every episode by talking about how we're back but yeah this time, uh, you know this time we're actually back there's yeah. been a little bit of a break but uh one of the nice things about a break is that it gives you an opportunity to sort of revitalize yourself, <laughs> regain your passion for the type of movies which we cover here on the No Budget Nightmares podcast. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. And if I want to let my heart be very out there, if I want it to be right there on the audio track, I want mm. my heart to be beating on it, uh, I want that sincerity to come through to let everybody know that we're we're going to be talking about a Todd Sheets movie today. Yeah. <laughs> this is the return of Todd Sheets. It's the return of No Budget Nightmares and the return of Todd Sheets. I am changing my bed covers, putting on some fresh sheets. I don't get it. Ah, funny. <laughs> Todd Sheets, yes. Now, uh, you might recall, long-time listeners of the show, that Todd Sheets uh, is sort of the pope or king or god of no budget nightmares, or I would even say micro budget filmmaking in general, because yeah. of his string of exploitation movies from the uh, early to late 90s. And he's recently even made a pretty impressive comeback uh, following both heart surgery and then coming back with actual movies. Good for him. I'm, s- yeah. I'm super happy about that. I'm s- a-, a super happy that he's, that he's feeling better and you can tell he's feeling better too, because he's talking about the movies again. You know, he's out there, he's doing work. I mean, he just finished, uh, uh, what's a house of forgotten secrets? Is that what it's called? And, it's actually uh, house of forbidden, forbidden secrets. secrets, right? Forbidden secrets. And, uh, and he has the segment in the new, uh, and that new film, hi fi and high eight, high eight. God damn it. I am off today. <laughs> we were it's just, right we were I'm just talking about <laughs> both of those. Uh, anyway. <laughs> well, let me, uh, brush you aside. Mo. <laughs> Please do. Thank you. No, and of course, Todd appeared on our anniversary episode many moons ago uh, and was very uh, nice and complimentary to both us, and we were complimentary back. Iro- he- ironically, not very complimentary to himself. No, that's, that is exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> one of the nice things, and you, you really, if you follow Todd Sheets on Facebook or you just follow his career lately, what you'll see, I believe, is sort of a softening in regards to his approach to some of those earlier movies, mm. which up to this point, he's sort of, I wouldn't say disowned. But he certainly he thinks people judge him based on the quality of those right, movies, right, right. and that's a kind. Of, and he's right 
to, to consider that to be unfair because he was doing them as a lark. He was doing them super cheap with friends as quickly as he could, kind of pumping them out. And they aren't representative of the sort of skill set that he had even at that time. Right. But, but he also, I think, recognizes now that people love those movies. People love Nightmare Asylum. They love Zombie Rampage. I know I certainly they, do. They love, <laughs> they love Goblin. Uh, and... <laughs> and I think he's got a, a better appreciation for the sort of fandom that comes from that and people who really embrace those movies. Right, right. With that said, the movie that we're covering today is what I think most people, including himself, would consider his first true professional horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And what movie is that? Zombie Bloodbath. Yes, not to be confused, <laughs> no matter how much I want to. <laughs> Not to be confused with Zombie Rampage from 1989. This is Zombie Bloodbath. Right. I am a huge Zombie Rampage fan, but I also love Zombie Bloodbath, so it all works. Well, of, course, of course, I also like Nightmare Asylum and probably to a, you know, I mean, I can't say the same thing about Goblin, but <laughs> whatever. Did no matter know? what you say about Zombie Rampage or Zombie Bloodbath or the both of their uh, respective sequels, they are certainly in a different category of filmmaking than Nightmare Asylum or Goblin. That's true. Uh, That's true. They are. And of course, Goblin was made after Zombie Bloodbath, so I <laughs> guess it, I guess it could be considered part of that new wave of Todd Sheets movies, which are of that higher quality. Yet, uh, my understanding from his his response to Goblin is that he doesn't necessarily think so. Right. Because Goblin is awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful, awful, awful. While Zombie Bloodbath is very much like Zombie Rampage in a lot of ways. In fact, to, the, to such an extent that it's hard not to consider Zombie Rampage in sort of the same category as Zombie Bloodbath. I mean, it, it even covers some of the same ground in, in terms of some of the content. Well, I mean, like how, how, how much new information can you really get out there when you're doing another low-budget zombie film? My yeah. favorite fetish that Todd Sheets has is his love of gangs and gang violence. He does have this thing for gangs. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. <laughs> and the way that it sometimes is shoehorned into a movie that, of course, would not support it at all. And I've, that certainly starts with Zombie Rampage. But even when you come even to things like uh, uh, prehistoric bimbos in Armageddon right, City right. Uh, and, <laughs> and and and. Even uh, sorority babes in the dance of death to some extent. Just the idea of this sort of this gang attitude, this sort of almost an '80s style of a gang members, where they're very much based on just causing trouble. You know, let's get into rumbles. <laughs> very much from the, the kicks. Beaded, from the beaded video style <laughs> of gangs. <laughs> where you, you been, man? Where you been? <laughs> uh, before we get into the movie, we should do some a brief pre-housekeeping, including mentioning that we recently got a very nice note on our Facebook page. Yeah, that if it wasn't for Doug mentioning it to me like five seconds before we started <laughs> recording, I never would have known. I never checked that page. We occasionally but, get some nice feedback. But it was. Is... It was a beautiful uh, uh, letter written to uh, to uh, Mug. <laughs> M-O-U-G. From, my, from my favorite part of the entire world, Switzerland. Right. It's, it's where my favorite cheese and chocolate comes from. <laughs> and uh, and it, it was written by Tim, and I'm going to mangle his last name. Hake, H-A-A-K-E. It's, it's a Switzerland name, so you can just pronounce it any way you see fit. Right. I'm going to say hockey because I'm Canadian. I'm going to say hawk because it, like it sounds like I'm trying to spit. Hawk. Hawk. Tim Hoek. 
right. but yes, he, he had some very nice things to say uh, and is obviously a fan of the show because he mentioned both Hip Hop Locos and Science Crazed, uh, the poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going I'm to play this just for him. Here you go, Tim. This one's just for you. Perfect. <laughs> Well, it was very kind of him. It's very heartening <laughs> to sometimes get some uh, some feedback like that. And really, the the No Budget Nightmares Facebook group has been rocking and rolling lately. So get your ass on board. Yeah, it's funny. Like we got like yeah, lots of conversation just today, and we managed to get like I don't know, like three or four like new members just within the last day or two. Everyone, get on board, man, because this thing is going to go through the stratosphere. Yeah, we might even get a hundred members. Or, well, I think we have a hundred members. We have over two hundred members, Mo. We might, we might get a hundred and fifty members. We are going to get <laughs> thousand members. Uh, one other thing I do want to talk about before we jump into zombie bloodbath is the uh, imminent release from uh, Cult Movie Mania of Light of Blood. Mm. Yes. Mm, the yes. Gustavo Perez uh, Cuban-American werewolf movie, which uh, Mo and I recorded a commentary for. Yes, we did. I would say particularly harried and... You know, I, I think uh, about Tim Lucas, the, uh, the creator of Video Watchdog, and the amount of research he puts into his Mario Bava commentaries on those DVDs. Right. And when I think about how we did no research... <laughs> And we just sat down and started talking about a movie, which I, I mean, no offense to you, Mo, but it seems like you may have only been half paying attention to the first time you saw it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but you know, what the, you know what the funny thing is, though, is I actually got a note recently um, saying uh, that they had listened to it and, and that they thought it was funny. So I'm like, OK, well. It's good. I know. I, really, I listened to back to it and it's a very high quality commentary. Exactly what you would expect. From Mo and myself. Uh, so, and, in other words, it, Doug talks a lot. And I go, "Yup." <laughs> well, and I, I'm being slightly facetious about the amount of research that we did, only in the sense that I had already spent a lot of time researching right. because I wrote the uh, liner notes for the DVD, uh, and it is a one of a kind movie. If you're a fan of micro budget cinema, you should definitely check it out. This is not just an advertisement, by the way. Yeah, we were involved with it in terms of some of the special features. Yeah, but we don't make any money off of it. So right. there's nothing know, there. Yeah. It, it is simply something that I want people to see and appreciate it because if you're listening to this, it's right up your alley and it's fucking crazy. Yeah. And it's like, you know, a bunch of special features. If you order now, you can get it signed by Gustavo Perez. I was told, probably in that same email that you received, Mo, that Gustavo might not be entirely happy with the content of our commentary. <laughs> <laughs> because maybe Whoops. we weren't consistently complimentary. But uh, you know how it is, man. We tell it like it is. Yeah, we don't really pull punches. I mean... I don't know I, how to... I mean, let's put it this way. The, fa the fact that we didn't spend the entire time talking about how kind of like shitty the movie is, is probably a good sign that we actually kind of liked it so i mean he should probably take that for what it is you know we're only 10 people away from 300 people in the no budget nightmares man case. we we might actually get 137 people i i just wanted to to point that out just to show <laughs> how wrong you were in terms of number. uh last thing i want to mention before we uh we jump into the movie uh is that we recently discovered that chemical burn entertainment yeah. <laughs> Our favorite distribution company of low-budget and micro-budget films. They're doing their own version of the ABCs of Death. It appears to be, though there isn't much information on their site at this point, to be based around numbers. Uh, and so it'll be like 27 short movies uh, about who knows what the theme is at this point. All they're really giving at this point is the tech specs. But if you are a uh, prospective 
potential filmmaker, hey, Chemical Burn, their standards are fairly low. <laughs> it's t- 20, 27 movies about murder, and 26 of them are from Scarlet Fry. So it's going to be called 27 Ways to Die. Oh. Uh, when, when you take into account how generally poor the, the films in the ABCs of Death were, and all of those people had a budget and talent. Yeah. Even, and I mean, I, I, don't, I, I like those filmmakers on a I don't like them all consistently, but uh, they all certainly have talent. And that still came out so iffy. It's, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how this project turns out. 27 Ways to Die. Number one, watch this movie. I hope everyone has to pick a number. I, I'm saying, man, everyone that is listening to this should go out with a camera and make a short movie for this competition. I, I will. I, now yeah. that I know about it. I mean, like, when's the deadline, did they say? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> no, well, I'm well, actually whatever. looking at the, the full information that they have here. They do not have a deadline. All they not. have are the technical specs that are required uh, for both NTSC and PAL, and that is it. Okay. It's, it says, the next ABCs of Death is coming, but it's our version called 27 Ways to Die. We are currently taking some... Like the, 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 it, it's like it was written by someone who... With but the, I, I like how they had to, how, how to one-up it, you know, because like the alphabet only has 26 letters, so let's make it 27 Ways to Die. <laughs> right. It'll be one better. Yeah, we are one better than the ABCs of death. Mo. What? Back in 1993, a young Kansas City-based filmmaker named Todd Sheets decided it was time to get serious. <laughs> oh, is that what he decided? Because it was time to get serious. Because he had started serious. making films well before that. After four years and, what, 30 films? That might be an exaggeration. <laughs> he decided it was time to get serious. Time he was to going to take his movie. Trust in Us production company and make his first major feature for $30,000, mm-hmm. Zombie Bloodbath. Uh, it features gore. It features a cast of characters. It features over 700 zombies on screen. Half of which are uh, Jerry Angel. <laughs> Half of which may or may not be Jerry Angel. And his <laughs> delightful, I would say magical mullet. He is, you know what? I mean, like, like somebody was saying that, that he should be one of our saints because, you know, we have Saint Sass. I might have said that. <laughs> yeah, you might have said that. But I don't think he's quite Saint worthy but i think he's definitely our pope he is the pope he is pope mulletus the <laughs> second uh it's it's i suppose some listening might think it's kind of mean to make fun of someone's hairstyle no and like, we're not making fun of his hairstyle i am in love with his hairstyle he is all party in the front and all party in the back and it doesn't get any better than that he also has a fine walrus style mustache. Uh, his stash is fucking amazing i mean and and if you like him and he plays one of the characters in this movie if you like him and that character and then something bad happens to him spoiler he gets gets his asshole written. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> if you're sad about that, well, don't be sad because he's going to play twelve zombies before the end of the movie. At he's that in, point, he's in every zombie scene after his death. <laughs> Jerry uh, Angel. Now, Zombie Bloodbath. We we actually have to mention this before we talk about the plot. Right. There are two versions of Zombie Bloodbath. Mm-hmm. The uh, the commonly uh, available version is a special edition available on DVD at the moment uh, from Camp Motion Pictures, and that one would be, I guess, referred to as a director's cut, but only in the sense that it's significantly shorter, I think, by a good fifteen minutes than the original cut of Zombie Bloodbath. 
Uh, and uh, my understanding is that Todd Sheets was the one who sliced a lot of that material out because of pacing and because some of it is just terrible. <laughs> uh, I have gone through and watched the original version as well, so I'll discuss just quickly when something kind of major is cut. But mm. for the most part, you're not missing out on anything. It is a lot of superfluous material, but there are a few kind of <laughs> plot holes, you might call them, in the in the director's cut that are explained with some extra footage. It's pretty funny, you know, given what he left in, that what he must have cut out. What are you trying to say, Mo? I'm trying to say that there that that in my notes, every other paragraph starts with zombie attack. There's a lot of zombies. There's in this a movie. lot of zombies in this movie. <laughs> well, you have to take into account that this was 1993. Zombies had become slightly passe, even though Brain Dead would have come out. Uh, Peter Jackson's Brain Dead would have came out in 1992. Uh, it's still there weren't a lot of mid 90s zombie movies, kind of taking the attention of the public. It right. wasn't until, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s where it started to come back. So this was a person, Todd Sheets, who mm. loves Lucio Fulci movies and wants to make his own version of those kind of movies. And as he says in almost every interview at the time period, he basically mashed up the plots of all of those movies to create this plot. Though I have to say, I don't recognize the influences a lot no, of the time. No, no, no. But I, I love in the opening credits, which takes place like, seven minutes into the movie but I love that the opening credits it says like story like inspired by every zombie flick made right yeah this is it this is the ultimate zombie movie story by Todd Sheets Jerry Angel and inspired by every zombie flick ever made I love that Jerry Angel's name is all over this too yeah yeah he helped out man yeah, a I lot mean- there, on the DVD, there's a behind-the-scenes featurette, uh, which is about 35 minutes long. And you can tell that a lot of these cast members were, were pulling double and triple duty to, to help. Yeah, there was a, uh, lot, of, there was a lot of uh, multiple names uh, in the credits. I yeah. mean, so good for them. That's, that's awesome. I mean, it's, it's hard enough to get, like, five people together. You know, I mean, imagine trying to get, like, 30 people together. But, you know, I mean, for the most part, I mean, yeah, sure, you're going to see the same face over and over again in the zombie attack scenes. But so what? It's, you know, it's still fun. I mean, I like that this was an era where you could put a call out and get 700 people. And, I mean, you know, though the makeup is not the best thing you've ever seen, it also, I mean, they are clearly zombies when they're on screen. You don't ever get confused about who's a human and who's a zombie. Right, right. Even if it's just like, here, let me put, like, a lot of powder on your face. Okay, you're a zombie (laughs) now. Do you have have black eyeliner? Yeah, put a lot on. Thank you. Okay, you're a zombie now. Yeah, I mean, there was people actually making up all of these 700 zombies. And, 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 and... you know, there's a good variety, but I digress. Word. Zombie Bloodbath from 1993 starts with a uh, problem. <laughs> it starts with, with a pretty major issue having to do with nuclear power. Nuclear. <laughs> it's pronounced nuclear. Uh, a reactor, a nuclear reactor, is imploding. And we do get uh, several what? scenes of people very upset about the fact that, this, uh, that it is imploding. <laughs> right. As as I guess they would be under the circumstances. I mean, this movie starts basically exactly the same as 2014's Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> it does. <laughs> now, uh, the acting in these opening sequences, I would not call it quality acting, uh, but people are certainly throwing themselves into it. Let's I, hear... I, I would call it quality acting. I mean, I would add the word bad in front of there, but it is quality acting. Bad is a quality. Let's bad hear a little a sample. Let's go. hear a little sample of some of that acting. What are we going to do about this matter? Have we called Washington? <laughs> what are we going to do? 
<laughs> well, what they're going to do is they're going to call the president, except it's too late. They need to go to DEFCON 4. DECON 4. Oh, that's right. They DECON. Oh, oops, someone left an F off the script. <laughs> <laughs> we need to go to DECON 4. Did you know, Doug, mm. that my old band was called DEFCON 5? I did know that. Yeah. And now everybody else does too. But now that now that we're having a problem with the possibility of this uh, nu- nuclear facility uh, imploding, I'm going to change that to Decon Four now. So the uh, uh, so the phone rings and uh, and we're immediately treated to uh, to this loveliness. My favorite part of that is not what he says, but what he does immediately afterwards. Like, he's, he calls and he says the line, and then he immediately starts fiddling with nothing in an attempt to look like he's working. And then, <laughs> My- he, and then he just gets blasted with, like, steam. <laughs> I like how that line starts where the phone rings, and he picks it up and just says, Sir! Sir! <laughs> The radiation level's too high. Yeah, the smoke in the face. Now, this isn't just any smoke. Meanwhile, it's like the local Chinese food place asking if he could repeat what his order was. <laughs> so this smoke that goes into his face, not normal smoke. Nope. It is special nuclear zombie runoff. Nuclear. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and it causes a very specific thing to happen to people's faces it sprays into. Lots and lots of melty melt. That everyone's face melts. <laughs> it really does. It's actually a pretty cool effect. I, I you know, it I, is. I, oh, it's really effective. It yeah. absolutely is. But it is just a close-up of a person's face while Tachi's is above their head, pouring a bunch of shit over them. Yeah, it's like red shit and white shit. You know, I mean, but it works though because if you remember, like, it, it reminds me a lot of the uh, the face melting scene from Indiana Jones. You know. In Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, b- because it has that sort of like it has the red for the blood, but it also has that sort of like uh, peach or you know white, you know not white, but you know what I mean, like beige kind of color to imply a skin tone was there at some point. In yeah, fact, on pretty the, awesome uh, on the commentary, which I did listen to, they mentioned that the bubbling goo is a combination of pudding and flour. Nice. And gelatin. Of course. Uh, and they use a bunch of different blood recipes. And uh, Todd Sheets also mentioned, <laughs> because Brandon Bennett was asking about it, uh, that they added Alka-Seltzer to it to cause some of the bu- bubbling. Nice. And I wrote, as a response, Alka-Seltzer to the rescue, which I thought was really amusing, but nobody commented on it. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> they don't all... They, they, they can't be winners all the time. I think uh, I personally think that's very funny, but I didn't happen to see it, or else I would have commented on it. So, uh, so yeah, all these people's their their faces start to melt, and then we get a look at some radiation workers. And what's great about these radiation workers is that one of them is wearing shorts, which I can't imagine is a good idea in a radioactive environment. Actually, actually, what you're wrong about that. In all of the hazmat manuals, uh, they, they it all states. Uh, your best bet for for avoiding radiate uh, nuclear fallout. Nuclear. Nuclear. <laughs> nuclear um, is to wear short shorts. Mm, who so wears short shorts? I wear short shorts. Oh, good. <laughs> so anyway, some zombies attack these guys and start pulling their guts apart. And I will say that most of the gut ripping in this, again, I I, I can't help but compare it to Goblin, where right. the guts in that movie were. Uh, pieces of meat that were just sort of laid on somebody's stomach. Right. In this case, they've packed them nicely inside a shirt, so it looks like they're being ripped apart. Right, yeah, it's... It's it's, it's a, just a little detail, but... 
It's ama- the devil is in the details. It's amazing how how Goblin was done after this. Like it's just you know because this is so much so better made. I would not be entirely shocked if at least part of Goblin was filmed before this. It just seems like Goblin was filmed before this. It it would be tough to go back to that. I would think. Right. Exactly. I mean, once you figure out how to do how to pack a meat pack a a meat shirt so that it looks like pack a meat shirt, (laughs) pack a meat shirt, boys. Uh, you know, I mean, you'd, you, you'd want to stick with that style, especially how effective it was in, in zombie bloodbath, you know, but oh, whatever. Exactly. Whatever. So then we go to a sequence and there's a army guy and a woman, right? And right. there's a, <laughs> there's a guy's face melting and the dude points to him and he says, oh my God, look at him. But what happens next, Mo? I, I don't know if you remember this or not. The idea I think is that he's vomiting into his own, his, his, uh, hands. The woman? No, the, the man in this case. Oh, um, I don't know. I mean, I didn't pay attention to the man. I have a note uh, with there's a woman who's like spitting out blood into her own hand. But it's just it, 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 that one took I took note of because uh, uh, it was obvious she was trying to not get any of it on her. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I wrote down woman vomits blood hilariously. Yeah, it is uh, pretty funny. Like she's It's immediately down. before that where what happens is the I guy is supposed to be something down. The guy is supposed to be vomiting, but what happens is that it looks like he starts with the vomit in his hands and then just splashes it all over his own oh, face. Oh, right, right, exactly. It's really odd. Like, I don't know what it's supposed to represent. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> 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 oh, this looks terrible. Oh, my own face. So then, I mean, the idea of this entire sequence is that shit's gone bad. Right. There's been some sort of nuclear incident that is going to cause the zombies to return. Um, and that's fine. That's yeah. all you need as a setup. I mean, you don't really even need an explanation necessarily, but this one is fairly uh, short to the point and involves a lot of people getting ripped apart by zombies. Actually, you know, in the realm of of uh, Todd Sheets' storytelling, this is probably the most cohesive, like, origin of, you know, the problem that he's had to date that, mm-hmm. we've, that we've covered so far. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. set up, man. That's all a- I- there's actually a setup to this film. Yes, uh, not like Nightmare Asylum. Anyway, <laughs> so we, then we get the opening credits. Now, uh, it should be pointed out that the opening credits for the DVD release of this has, have been redone. The original looked a lot more like you would expect Todd Sheets movies from that time period, their opening credits to look. But, uh, but you know, it's still perfectly it's, – it's a fine opening credits. You wouldn't right. notice that there's any problem. You will see a lot of familiar names if you're a fan of Todd Sheets' work up to this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are a lot of odd pictures that, that are shown in the background during the opening credits, some of which look to be behind-the-scenes photos of the making of this very movie. <laughs> <laughs> Way to break the fourth wall, guys. And uh, we, we, you might uh, see friend of the show Derek Berner uh, is on the uh, crew, the FX crew as well. Mm-hmm. And Enochian Key. Always. Always Enochian Key. Though I have to say, and again, this is the thing that distances this movie away from a lot of the Todd Sheets movies that came before it, is that the music is so much better in this movie. Yeah, there's a song later in the film that's like sort of like a hard, like metal type song, and it's it's kind of good. But I mean, just generally, like it's not just uh, Mars, the 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 Gustav Holst. Yeah, song right, right, right. <laughs> over and over again on a loop. <laughs> so, right, so right. I mean. It, it's music that actually plays behind the action as opposed to drowning it all out. So, right. hey, we're moving forward. We're stepping up. So the credits end, and we get the old standby for a micro-budget movie, a news report. One of my favorite... I'm, I'm going to cut you off. My favorite thing about this is that she's clearly doing what should have been like a, an anchor 
uh, story right. as a field report. Exactly. I love it. I love it. I'm sorry. What, Can... is a, what does a reporter sound like again? Oh, right. Just oh, like right, this. right, 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 right. <laughs> and she's reporting on a new housing project on the south side of town uh, <laughs> with uh, – and and the impression that you will get <laughs> is that these homes are actually built on the remnants. Actually, not no, just... I'm sorry. I did not get that at all. <laughs> I it... did not realize that until the end of the movie when they explained that the houses were built on top of the remnants of the nuclear plant. You know, Well, not, not just built on the remnants of the nuclear plant, as we will learn right. a little bit later. But uh-huh. that, uh, that, this, is what that's, this is the setup of that. This is why strange <laughs> shit starts to happen. They were building houses, man, yeah. on the remnants of this underground nuclear plant. And she says something that makes no fucking sense to me. She goes, the homes are expected to be valued <laughs> in the upper 100s. <laughs> <Yes>. So... Yes. <laughs> So are these like really like low rent housing? I mean, or like, is it, cause she, impl- it sort of implies that 180, this, yeah, 199, who knows that these, it, like it implies that these were supposed to be like, you know, like higher end homes, you know, like, like, like uh more affluent, you know, but then she says they're valued in the upper one hundreds, like 100 what? And who, who has ever referred to hundred thousands as one hundreds? Right. Exactly. I on mean, a news report in particular. <laughs> right. Also, who who puts down the? Va- I mean, anyway. Let's- actually, actually, I got to tell you, the dialogue that a lot of these news people say, I mean, is probably the funniest dialogue in the film because they go out of their way to try to sound official, and but the, but it's clear that whoever wrote the 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 dialogue, uh, Todd, that uh, that they didn't watch a lot of news, so there's a lot of like terminology that's like a lot more, you know conversational and like probably doesn't really belong on a news broadcast. I mean, there's a very specific way for writing for the news. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, And and when we get to the other one, like with the the radio station at the end, I'll I'll point out the, what she says that drives me fucking nuts too. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about the main characters in this movie because we immediately get introduced to Joey and Mike and Beth. Joey's sister. Beth is Joey's sister. That's exactly right. Joey and Mike are friends. Mike has just, I guess, moved into the neighborhood with his father. Uh, and Joey, at this point, looks like he's going to be the main character. He's actually grabbing a video camera <laughs> <laughs> so he can go to an old cave and uh, and take some footage for maybe they'll maybe they're making a Todd Sheets like movie. Well, they 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 imply that they're making a slime monster film. A slime monster film. That's right. Yeah, but I love how I love how Joey introduces Mike to her. He's like, "Oh, this is my new friend from Arizona." <laughs> <You know? laughs> like jo- Joey. Uh... Like I don't want to, I don't want to say anything particularly bad about him, but like a lot no, of his, let's hear it, a lot, a lot of his dialogue delivery sounds like maybe he's not all there in his head. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is my friend. He's my new friend from Arizona. He, he's also playing like a kid, right? I mean, he's supposed right, to, uh, right. the impression is that he's he's at the very least like high school student age or younger, right? Uh, but he, yeah, it's a very strange yeah, he, decision. He, yeah, because the dude, because the actor looks, I mean, I don't know how old he actually is, but he does not look high school age. And Mike doesn't look high school age no, either. Not at all. <laughs> but that's okay. You know? I, don't, I don't have a problem with any of that stuff. I really don't. So they go to this old cave. Oh, and they, uh, and they offer the role of the slime monster to Beth. And she's like, right. no, I'll be a fair maiden. <laughs> oh, you know. And I, like, I like how she goes with them anyway. Yeah, right. I mean, she. Maybe they she likes they just said, "I'm going to cover you in slime," and she's like, "That's okay. I'll come with you anyway." They uh, they go into this cave, and the cave is a, is a, is a pretty neat location. Though when they go into it, it's pitch black. Right? right it's right. totally dark. Yeah. 
Which makes sense because it's a fucking cave, right? right? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Mike and Beth walk in together. You know, they play that thing. Are you afraid? And they they go in there. Well, because they were were talking, they were telling a story about how like apparently like a psychopath lives in there and that he eats people and that I guess he was like building a house and it caved in and he had to eat his family, you know. Oddly, the, the truth is even stranger and scarier. <laughs> and so they pretty, I mean, and surprisingly similar, but yes, yeah. indeed. So they fall through a hole that just suddenly kind of opens up uh, in the in the floor of the cave, right. and they fall in the way that if say if you needed someone to fall through a hole and you didn't have a big hole for them to fall through, they do this in a really fun way, which is just have them then jump into a different place <laughs> with dirt in it, <laughs> and that that's them falling through a hole. Perfect. And, Joey's upset about this, and because this is the age before cell phones, uh, he runs home. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love that he runs home. Oh, I'm going to run home. Okay. Let's get a, you, know, you were talking about uh, Joey's performance. Let's hear a little bit of his, uh, him talking to his parents about what has happened. Yup, yup. Mom, Dad, there's been a big accident. Did you break the camera? No, 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 no. <laughs> Did you break the camera? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, his father in this scene is played by uh, Jerry Angel. Yes. And his, and his magical mullet that is, I mean... My note here, literally says Jerry Angel has the greatest mullet ever. Now, Jerry Angel, is. this isn't the first time we've encountered him on this no, show. No, no, no. But this is his most visible performance, uh, maybe outside of, of uh, Nightmare Asylum where he's all made up. But in this one, he is himself, basically. He is allowed to be free. Free. He, he's allowed to be the winged angel that he is. So Jerry plays Larry. He's the father of Joey and uh, Beth. And uh, Jerry is married to Gwen. Mm -hmm. This will be important later, I promise you. (laughs) It's going to be really important. Uh, It won't be, but... (laughs) So they're going outside to... to, I guess the the first thing they do is call Mike's dad. Mm -hmm. uh, And uh, he arrives. And he is the most competent person in this movie. And maybe any Todd Sheets movie. Mike's dad, Ralph. Ralph. Is a Ralph. Ba- is a badass. He uh, knows how to use ropes. <laughs> he has climbing equipment conveniently in his trunk. Yeah, because he is an ex-army guy. Yeah, and ex-army guys are very competent, and they know how to use guns, and they know how to use ropes to drag people out of holes. So he's a really good person to have on uh, on hand. So before they explained like who he is and like what he what he does and like all that stuff, like I noticed that he had like you know like rope and like a crowbar <laughs> and stuff like that all in his trunk already. So I put the note down. I said it's for his regular job as a daytime whore rapist. You know. That's a really unpleasant thing for you to say, Mo. But I wanted to make the daytime horror reference. Oh, that's fine. You know, daytime horror. I had, <laughs> I had to. I wanted to make the Las Vegas bloodbath callback. I, I'm with you. So they go over to the cave. Now, the, one thing I did notice, Mo. I don't know if you noticed this. That the second time that they all go into the cave, it's no longer pitch black. Right. In fact, it's shockingly well lit. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, throw down a rope. And uh, they climb up. Beth and, and Mike climb out of it, and then they leave. And I felt at the time that this was like a really strange sequence to have in the movie. Yeah, right. Because because they they save the two kids, and then all of a sudden it's like, let's have a cookout. Let's have a cookout. All right. Okay. So that is set up the major plot of the movie. The cookout. Now, yeah, they're, they're coming for a cookout. <laughs> so so now we need something to distract us from that main plot. And in a Todd Sheets movie, that's going to be a gang. And because we haven't had a lot of 
Well, there's been no bimbos right. <laughs> up to this point. Yeah, because no, Beth is because Beth is definitely not a bimbo. Right. So we need some some girl gang members who are gonna rumble. So we're introduced to um, a gang of women, and we're not told what they are, what they're called. I don't. I mean, do we even find out any of the characters' names? We do find out that the other gang that they don't like is called the, the daggers. daggers. Yeah, and uh, they apparently are doing some sort of uh, protection racket because <laughs> it's 1962. Yeah, uh, and they're gonna pay. See. They discover that the daggers are going to rob a drugstore, so they're going to ambush them and they're going to rumble with them. Right. Now, this side plot, uh, subplot with this uh, female gang, gets abandoned in this edit of the movie almost immediately. In fact, the fact that there's any remnants of all, at all of it makes no sense because like nothing is going to happen with this. In this cut of the film, it's the epitome of filler. Yes, yeah. it 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 it, it seems. I mean, it seems like they're really setting up something like how it is in Zombie Rampage. But you get nothing. None of these characters are going to be important later. They're not going to join up with the ma- the main characters. It is completely superfluous. Does not matter. In the longer cut, there's more footage of this gang uh, and them fighting each other. But it still doesn't matter. <laughs> it does connect up slightly, but we'll talk about that momentarily. And I mean momentarily because yeah. it gets moving pretty quickly. Right. So. Mike, uh, uh, Mike's dad, Ralph, is having a barbecue, and he's having the, uh, the families are connecting. They're getting to know one another, uh, and Joey asks if Mike can come over to his house tonight and watch Zombie Rampage. I, this is like the epitome of the fucking of like this is the Todd Sheets move, you know? Like this is <laughs> this is Todd Sheets one hundred and one right here. Uh, we, we you know we need to make a reference here. What are we gonna re- let's reference my old movies? But I'm glad he re- references Zombie Rampage. Here, we have audio of this, so let's, let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's play that. Hey, Mom, Dad, there's this movie on tonight called Zombie Rampage. Can Mike and I go over to our house and watch it? Yeah, me too. Go ahead. Thanks, guys. You know what I love the most about that is that after he says, can I go watch it, the, the I'm assuming it's Mike's brother, peeks his head out from around and goes, yeah, me too. But yeah. there's, but there's so much reverb <laughs> on him in particular here. I'm going to play it again. Just listen, listen out for that. Per- I'm talking to the audience here. Listen, <laughs> listen out to, the, too, to, to that particular moment where he goes, yeah, me too. And just listen to the reverb on it. It's amazing. All right, here we go. Hey mom, dad, there's this movie on tonight called zombie. Rampage. So no reverb here. Go to our house and watch it. And then all of a sudden, echo chamber. (laughs) (laughs) That is also the first time that we're introduced to that character of the little brother. And it's also the last time that he's even remotely mentioned. He shows up randomly again in just a little bit, and then then he has his climactic moment, which poor, we'll talk about when we get bastard. to it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Ralph is the best actor in this entire movie uh, by a significant amount. He really uh, is. He's actually like a good actor. He brings some gravitas to his uh, <laughs> his his, uh, his lines, and Jesus. we discover we discover that Mike's mom was. <laughs> Sorry, they're, they're, his mother and him and Ralph were in the military, but she was killed. His mother was in a, in a base takeover. <laughs> this shit happens, right? Don't tell Mike though. Mike Mike yeah. doesn't know. He doesn't know that she, he thought she was killed in the war, not in at a base. He says he doesn't want Mike to know the truth because he doesn't want him to hate his country any more than he already does. Right. 
I don't see how being killed in a battle is really any different than their base being taken over in well, terms of a die. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe like he's he'd be pissed that like his country would allow that to happen. But I mean, really, that's not the sort of thing that you can decide whether or not you want to let it happen or not. Like, I don't think they just left the gate open and said, hey, guys, come take over this base. I mean, Ralph is sort of like the grizzled Vietnam vet, right? Like his, his dialogue, right, he goes, right. like, then you come home to nothing. No future <laughs> and no past. Everyone forgets you. They were spitting on me and calling me baby killer. <laughs> yeah, okay, Rambo. Uh, so back to the gang warfare. <laughs> oh, yeah, so the other gang is the Daggers, but the first gang we were introduced to, they're the dead chicks. In fact, let's hear, uh, let's hear the discussion about this. Melissa, what? The dead chicks are coming. This is our turf. Let's get him. <laughs> this is our turf. Let's yeah. get him. <laughs> right? You know, yeah. but I mean, but I, so when, so here it is, like, as I'm reading your notes to me about, about the movie, like, I see the, the, the line, Melissa, the dead chicks are coming. And of course, I'm assuming that means a bunch of zombies are coming now. <laughs> and as I'm, as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, Oh, they're talking about the other gang. It would have been nice to mention that previously when we met them. <laughs> that, that they even had a name. That, that they even had a name. Oh, they're called the Dead Chicks. Or, or the idea, now we know that one of these characters is named Melissa, so that's going to be important, I'm sure. Not really. So that's all that we get. All they, you know, there's, they're about to knock over the pharmacy, the Dead Chicks come, and then we go back to Mike and Joey, and they're watching a movie. Actually, they're not watching a movie. They're just sitting there. They were supposed to be watching a movie, yeah. but they're just sitting doing nothing. Right. And then, I don't know why they couldn't have been watching Zombie Rampage. <laughs> Seems like something that they could have been doing. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if the director has a copy of that they could have popped in the, uh, <laughs> in the VCR for a minute. But anyway, this happens. I wonder what that was. I don't know. Where'd it come from? So, something squeaks. They don't know where it came from. So they, of course, do what any, you know, intelligent human does. And like, let's, let's go check it out. This is the most Scooby-Doo moment of it, the movie. It really is. <laughs> but my favorite part is that, they're, is that they're standing at the basement door. Okay. And like, oh, it's dark down there. The light doesn't work. And he's like, oh, do you have a flashlight? And he gives him the most, like, like detailed directions on where to find the flashlight. He's like, it's in the second drawer, uh, two drawers over from the, uh, from the stove. It's, it's in the back behind the baby powder. I mean, it's like, it's just, I just, like, he doesn't say that specifically, but I'm saying like, <laughs> that was just an example of how specific it's insane. But so, I mean, you know, it's probably, it makes sense that he would give him detailed instructions because this is not Mike's house. So I, would, I, I understand but I, that. But I know, I mean, but, but what, what that really suggests is how come Joey doesn't get the fucking Yeah, exactly. Flashlight? Exactly. Why doesn't, <laughs> Fat fuck, go get it. You know? Oh my god. Go get the fucking flashlight. <laughs> so uh that doesn't really matter uh, about the flashlight. Uh, really because they um Mike goes and gets the flashlight. It's very important. And he hears a sort of a weird noise coming from outside. It's like a rattling. Get, it's like a rattling noise behind some Venetian blinds. Mm -hmm. And he opens them to look outside and boom! Yeah, like a, a tree branch hits the window. Not just a tree branch, like an entire fucking tree slams <laughs> against the glass. And I like how the tree like slowly retreats away from the window <laughs> after it hits. <laughs> it's a scare, though. I mean, that one's legitimate. That was I, a I, good. It was a good jump scare. I mean, you know, it takes a lot more than that to get me moving. But I mean, it's it was a good. It was a decent jump scare. 
<laughs> so uh, Mike uh, almost runs into Joey uh, when he's running out of the room from the scare. And the kid brother, who is there, that's his other part. Right. <laughs> and uh, he goes to show Joey the branch that scared him. And when he does... There are zombies outside. I love I love the setup for this because this is the most obvious setup in the movie where he's like, oh, a branch hit the tree. He's like, oh, a branch? Can I see? <laughs> like, why does it matter? You've never it's, seen a branch? Yeah. Oh, I've never noticed a branch in front of my kitchen window before. I mean, I've, I'm, I'm only 32 years old and I mean, I've lived here my entire life. <laughs> so uh, from here, uh, now that the zombies have been introduced, we can go back to the gang fight. And right. in fact, there is no fight. All we see is that apparently, I guess, the daggers won the fight since they've trapped a number of the dead chicks. Who, by the way, the dead chicks were the first ones we were introduced to. Right. doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to introduce us to people who are just going to be thrown away. I loved it. I loved that they, <laughs> that they just that they introduced these characters and then immediately killed them off. <laughs> So uh, they decide uh, they have these dead chicks. Some of them, are, I guess, are alive in the trunk of a car, and they're going to dump them by the quarry. I love so, it. I love when they drive off. There's just a hand hanging out of the trunk. A real person's hand that's yeah. moving around and shit. Not not conspicuous at all. So the uh, the idea, by the way, for those who haven't picked up on this, is that they're going to throw them in the same cave that we were introduced to just a little bit ago. Yeah, they refer to it as a quarry. So, which also suggests, by the way, that they've murdered a number of people. <laughs> like, they've killed them. Right, right. <laughs> and they're going to bury their corpses. Now, let me explain to you what they're going to do by burying, burying <laughs> this. <laughs> so, they, there's this big kind of mountain of dirt inside right. the cave. And again, incredibly well lit. And this, they, is the, yeah, this is the same mountain of dirt that we saw before that the... Uh, that Beth and Mark had fallen into. That's Mike. Mike. Oh, my, Mike. Sorry, Mark. All right. that's, oh, yeah, that's, Mark. How, that's how much I fucking care right now. So they lay this woman against this pile of dirt, and they're going to, quotation marks, bury her. They literally throw a quarter of a shovel full of dirt on her and call it a day. Yeah. They're like, well, we're done. They just toss a little bit of dirt on her. It's like, why even bother? Why even have a fucking shovel in the first place? It's a shallow grave. Uh, and then they have a conversation uh, amongst themselves, which is very confusing. Uh, play it so we can talk about it. Yes. What about the other one? Just leave her. She's already dead. Yeah. I I don't understand. So what's the so here's the here's the question I have. So the one they buried was she alive? Because, that seems to be the suggestion, right, right? Exactly. Because what about the other one? Leave her. She's already dead. Right. So they leave. Right. And the one that they've buried is immediately attacked by dozens of zombies who climb over the mound and attack her. Right. But she doesn't move when she's being attacked. Right. So she could be dead. <laughs> so that so that left me the question with. If the zombies waited for the alive girls to leave before they attacked the dead one, why didn't they attack the alive ones? The other thing I didn't get from this, uh, and uh, not until much later in the movie, is that the hole that those kids fell through at the beginning, that's how the zombies all got out. Right, right. Uh, though, I mean, they, they really spread quickly. Yeah, and, I mean, it's weird because the kids needed a rope to get out, but the zombies didn't. Yeah, they were all able to get out without much trouble. Maybe they climbed on top of each other. You know what they probably was. did? Yeah, they probably made like a zombie pyramid. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Give me a Z. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but also, man, there were a lot of people in that nuclear facility. <laughs> yeah. 
like that that must have just like buried the entire staff down there actually of ten, hundreds ten, of people 10 years ago it was the uh, the single largest supplier of jobs in the area mm, that's true <laughs> very good there's a staff of 700 so back in the house, Mike and Joey died. are trying to get into the basement because that's really important. Because remember that squeaking sound they heard? Right. That's more important now than those zombies that they saw outside. No, no, no. No, they they imp- they actually uh, after they see the zombies, they're like, "Oh no, we better go check the basement because the zombies might be down there now." Right. Which I guess is fair enough. Which uh, I wouldn't have done. I would have been like, "Yes, there's definitely zombies down there. Let's go close that fucking door." Well, let's barrier it. Right. Like, right. Let's, yeah. And the, which is what they try to do. They get hammer and nails. Yeah. Uh, and they go to the door. And what happens? They get attacked by Todd Sheets. They get attacked by Todd Sheets in one of his <laughs> trademark cameos. And I'll tell you, you will never mistake Todd Sheets for someone else in one of his own you ne- movies. Never, never in a million years. Todd <laughs> Sheets is Todd Sheets in every movie he's in. Even if he's dressed as a zombie, he's Todd Sheets. So uh, then they push him back in, and they start to hammer, like like hammer the door shut, and my, then he pushes out again. My favorite part is that is that the other two guys are holding the door closed, and the guy w- and Joey's going starts to go to hammer, and he tells them to get away from the door for a second. <laughs> I mean, you're hammering the top, man. Let him hold the bottom. That's right. Right. <laughs> Let's do one piece at a time. Also, right? al- also, does that door not have a lock? <laughs> <laughs> so, so Tosh Heats pushes through again and attacks. And uh, in the in the commentary, he mentions that when they start swinging the hammer at him, they swing the claw end. So he ended up getting like really fucked up by oh, that God. hammer. <laughs> and if anybody's uh, seen the raid okay. raid two, they know what a claw end can do. Indeed. <laughs> and, uh, so she's got the worst of that. Poor bastard. Uh, back to the gang. Yeah, yeah, this is this is pretty much the end of the gang. So don't don't get too concerned. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't. So this, we go back and it's back to the quarry and it shows another gang member crawling out of the quarry. I I guess she's the one that they were referring to. I guess. As being dead, even though she's actually more alive than the other person. (laughs) And she just gets attacked Attacked by a bunch of zombies. zombies. Yeah. And that's that's all this really is. Right. We this is now the first time I think that we see a really great shot that that Todd repeats through the rest of the movie of these zombies reaching through these kind of barriers where it the their arms are out through areas that are just big enough for their arms. Yeah, and it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's actually really cool. It's yeah. a really great shot. So great that he decides to bring he uses, the, he <laughs> go uses back it to quite it. a bit. I mean, who knows where it is or where it's taking place? It doesn't really matter. Zombies are taking over. Yeah, I think the idea is that it's implying that it's like at the base somewhere. But I mean, whatever. It's it's yeah. it's a pretty cool shot. So uh, the female gang, we then cut to them having a rumble. Now I thought that they were dead, but I guess not. Right. Exactly. So now all of a sudden, I I, I don't know how many of the other gang were still alive. I know I only know that one of the girls who were fighting was actually in the dead girls. Exactly. The she, dead I, guess was the, I guess she was the leader. At least that's the implication. Sure. <laughs> sure. Why not? Yeah. And she's, I think is fighting the other leader. Right. And, but I mean, they're only fighting, uh, doing their, their beat it style rumble for about two seconds. Before, right. Uh, before the zombies start attacking. And I, I love what she says though. Like when the zombies start attacking, they're like, okay, well, we guess we have to work together now. And she goes like, if I can't cut you, no one will. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, in right. the original, in the original cut, there's a large rumble leading up to this ah. and it, 
looks fucking horrible. Uh, I can see why he took it out. I mean, it is very much like uh, like how sometimes fights are in earlier Todd Sheets movies right, where they're right. missing by a country mile. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so so I mean, I can understand why that might have been excised for the sake of pacing. You know, the one thing I got to give a credit, though, is that every time there's like these zombie like blood and gore effects, like every single time in my notes, it's, it's, it, it always says, and they look pretty good. Yeah, they look pretty good. And this yeah. part actually is also the soundtrack in this section is really good. It sounds yeah. very uh, – it's actually interesting. It sounds a lot like Fabio Frizzi's uh, music for The Beyond, which is interesting because he actually did music for uh, House of Forbidden Secrets. Right, right. The latest movie. Um, so, so Mike, in a moment of brilliance, decides to call his competent dad, who is still back home actually hanging out with, uh, with Joey's folks, uh, and tell his dad that something is attacked. Hacking the house, and uh, and Ralph says, "Come on, let's go get him." <laughs> he's like, he's, "I'm gonna get my gun." Yeah, he gets his gun. I love how he's like, "Yeah, I heard banging in the background. There must be something there. Let's go." <laughs> hey, he takes his son seriously. At least he isn't one of those characters who's like, "Ah, whatever." Yeah, screw my kids. <laughs> and now comes, believe it or not, what is at the time the most confusing thing in the movie, which is that you see a woman that you've never seen before up to this point, right? And she wakes up suddenly. She grabs a gun, she puts it in her pants, and she goes outside. We don't know who she is, what she's doing, right. why she has a gun. Uh, she gets outside and is immediately attacked by zombies. Actually, that's a pretty... Th- here, here's a sentence that will work for this movie, no matter what time. You leave your house, you will be attacked by zombies. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter what character you are, it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter you know when in the film you are, it's... If you leave your house, you will be attacked by zombies. And not just a couple. Like, and, yeah, like and a, and a lot. And they will grab you. They always do. You will somehow wind up in the middle of them. And you will, <laughs> and you will until the end of the film, you will get away. Yeah, you'll just be able to, <laughs> you'll somehow, like, there will literally be 30 or 40 of them immediately in front of you. Right. And there's nowhere for you to go. But you'll get through them. Yeah. Won't be a problem. Right. <laughs> so this character, by the way, we'll find out in a little bit that she actually has a connection to the plot, though it it and that she's a police officer, which you, you don't get that sense in this movie at all. I don't think she ever mentions it. No. Um, but that's why she has a gun. So she gets into a car, and all the zombies attack one side of the car, and she actually climbs out the other side, which is pretty clever. Yeah. She I probably mean- could have used that gun that she had on them, though. Yeah, well, I, I've noticed that's a trend in this film, too, is there's a lot of people with guns they don't use. Yeah, well, this one is a particularly egregious because that gun now vanishes for the rest of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Ralph, Larry, and Gwen, uh, they decide that they're going to head over to, uh, to Larry's house. And just like you said, there's a ton of zombies right outside their door. I mean, <laughs> on the stairwell of this apartment. So let's, so let's do some basic math here. All right, so in order to go to Mike's or to back to Larry's house. They have to do what? Uh, they have to leave their apartment. They, have to, the they have to leave their house. Yes. And ba- given the basic math I had said before, they leave their house. Then what happens? Then they are attacked by dozens upon dozens of zombies. <laughs> My favorite part about this one is that they have to go, like you had just mentioned it, they have to go down a staircase, you know? So they're fighting zombies, and they're not really fighting. They're just sort of pushing their way yes. through zombies. No one's getting bitten. No one's uh, getting held up at all. No. But they have to, they have to quote-unquote, fight their way down a staircase. 
You know, like the worst bottleneck situation in a zombie movie you could possibly imagine, except for one that comes up later. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's an impossible situation. You can't get through a crowd of people like that. This right. is they they get less molested by these zombies than if this was the Beatles coming through a crowd of screaming women. <laughs> right. They would lose more skin and hair than these folks do who just walk through. <laughs> <laughs> Though Ralph does get at least something to he gets something off. Uh, in fact, uh, he, oh, uh, you know what? Right, this this might be the one time in the film that uh, that a gun is actually fired. Mm-hmm. Oh, here we go. Damn, you're a homely bastard. There's it. The one gun. The one gunshot in the entire film. He shoots him in the head, which is great. Damn, you're a homely bastard. Uh, it's you would think with the the fact that we have two guns in play that we're going to see more heads getting shot off, but I mean that's that's tough to do. It just doesn't happen. So uh, they get to. Larry's house, Larry and Gwen's house. Of course, because why wouldn't they? Because why wouldn't they? I guess there was really no zombies in between the two, because right outside that house, there's still a ton of zombies, and they have to fight their way in. (laughs) (sighs) So they do. They're able to very... Easily, Easily. yeah. (laughs) Fight their way in. I mean, these zombies don't seem like they're much of a threat, and especially they might be less of a threat if they try to do anything to stop them, like punch them or crush their skull. Right, right. Uh, and also, we don't, by the way, you might be wondering at this point, well, where are all the emergency services? There seems like there's hundreds of zombies attacking in two separate areas, at least, uh, maybe three, in fact, areas, uh, people. But no, we don't know where the police or or anyone is. What I, lo- what I love is that sometimes there's there are zombie attacks where they just simply push their way through, but then there are other ones where they do actually half-ass fight them, and right. then, and then the, the, the zombie fight ends with just piles of zombies yes you know like and like none of the humans are like injured at all (laughs) uh we briefly go back to those two gang leaders who have now decided to team up (laughs) because it's uh, because it's armageddon right they gotta i guess guess we have to fight together now who would have thought that one of them says that they're gonna go to their uncle's house because he used to be in the military wink let's go to my uncle he's got guns that that is the that that the uncle that she's talking about is Ralph, by the way. Of course. Uh, though uh, that and that is the entire connection to the plot, and you'll see how stupid that is in just a second. <laughs> so now we have the main group of characters together. We have Larry, we have Gwen, we have Ralph, we have the four kids. <laughs> we have Larry, we have his brother Daryl, and his <laughs> other brother Daryl. <laughs> uh, and they have to discuss what is going on. So they talk about it. What's going on? Sure, is something weird going on around here. I'll agree to that. But I wonder what it is. Why are these strange people attacking us? God, I love Jerry Angel's voice so much. <laughs> Something we're going on. I'll agree to I'll, that. I'll agree to that. <laughs> I'll, I'll agree to that. But I wonder what it is. Why are these strange people attacking us? Like, if it was uh, just a little bit more affected, he'd be like the counselor from the fucking family guy, you know? <laughs> so. Oh, no. One thing uh, fans of this show might recall is that in a lot of Todd Sheets movies, there is usually a character who references the fact that the <laughs> the things that they're going through are like a movie, like a bad movie. In fact, they usually say, uh, and it's it's a little wink, wink to the audience in a movie that has maybe a few too many winks as it is. Uh, and uh, this is the first of those instances in the movie. I uh, Larry actually precedes this line by wondering if they're just human cattle <laughs> for, for the zombies. Yeah. Then he says this. This sounds like a trashy zombie flick to me, not reality. 
This sounds like a trashy zombie flick to me. Not reality. Not reality. Uh, Ralph <laughs> thinks that it's a government experiment that's gone bad that's caused all this to happen. But they decide they're going to wait till morning, which is a very good idea. But that really should have been accompanied by the idea of reinforcing a lot of the windows and doors. Right. At the very least, locking them. <laughs> no, these these zombies may know how to climb out of a cave on a you know un, unhelped, but 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 yeah, exactly. they have no idea how to open up a door. Uh, we get the member of the gang leaders going to Ralph's house. <laughs> they arrive. They find the place empty because, of course, Ralph is over at Larry's house. Uh, they don't know where her uncle went. They decide to leave. Right. I don't know why. Why would they leave? Uh, when they know there are zombies outside, they go outside, the zombies... By the way, <laughs> they walked up the steps to go into that apartment. Remember when there was like hundreds of zombies? Right. Well, now, now there's none. But as soon as they leave, they're, all the zombies are out there again. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, they, the zombies swarm on them, and uh, they attack the two girls separately. The Gore. blonde one... Yeah, the blonde one gets torn apart, and they pull her eye out. <laughs> and uh, then looks the like other mozzarella one, cheese. That's right. And then the other one gets killed, and that's it. That's the end of that entire part of the movie. Right. But what there's was- really great music. Yes. During this part of the film that uh, <laughs> that well let's 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 not mention anything about the music first and let's let's give the people a second to listen to it cuz I think I got uh, I don't know, I don't remember how much of this of the music I got but uh, it's enough to let people make up their own mind about this. <laughs> All right. Here we go. It's funny, like it's just like the timing is just off slightly, but it's almost like the exact same notes. Exact same notes as what, Mo? The Halloween theme. <laughs> yes, I mean that is just the theme from Halloween. It really like, is. That that is, you know how Vanilla Ice said Ice Ice Baby wasn't <laughs> under pressure because it went dun 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 dun. That is like the version of Halloween that Vanilla Ice decided to make. Right. Um, yeah, so they decide to play the Halloween theme. <laughs> I, th- I think I think his reasoning was actually even stupider. I think his is like, well, theirs has uh, has a snap and mine has a clap, you know, or something like that. You know, it's, it's just idiotic. But yeah, it's no real difference. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we are then uh, introduced to remember that woman who went out with the gun and didn't shoot anybody. Uh, she's actually Larry's niece, and she is a police officer, though they never tell us that. She walks in. Uh, to Larry's house, which is completely unprotected. Everybody's right. asleep. Right. She, she walks in through a glass door. <clears throat> like, she opens it. So the window is completely uncovered. <laughs> so the, it's not like the zombies couldn't just push through. <laughs> uh, so she just opens the door and comes in. Yeah. And she's and just standing over Joey. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So everyone wakes up, and Ralph is great because he's got his hat on backwards and uh, <laughs> <laughs> he looks ridiculous. And it's a great thing that Daria showed up because she has all of the information that they really need. Yeah, my note here says the gun chick from before shows up at Larry's house and inexplicably knows all the exposition needed to move the story forward. Information that that really she should have told them earlier for all sorts of different reasons. Right, right. So the idea, she tells them, just to connect everything together, that the power plant had a leak, mm-hmm. that there was an overload on nuclear power, and it 
it began to implode. Right. Uh, and it burned everyone inside, but apparently not. <laughs> right. So, so this is so this is like halfway through the movie at this point. Right. And and that's the moment when she says that that I'm like, oh, so that's why the zombies are here. That's why, because you know, because it had nothing to do with fucking. Like I didn't know at the beginning that that they, they were implying. That the, that it was built on top of the, uh, the, yeah. the wreckage. This is where I found out when she basically just said it. So, th- right. There was a meltdown. There was a radioactive atmosphere. They destroyed the plant, which was underground, except right. that, of course, they apparently didn't. didn't. Uh, and they sold the land, and the reactor was below the earth, and now all the houses have been built on top of it. And I love, uh, that, and I love that Ralph, the, ba- <laughs> the badass, wants to go in by himself and seal off the plant. I like that he says that they can do that because he has plenty of guns and explosives. Right. However, he, when they leave, he brings one gun, forgets the bullets, and brings no explosives. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does have one thing of explosives. Well, was that his or was it already there? Well, anyway, oh, I don't know. Either way. And Anyway, he, you think he would have you know, at least given some weapons to the rest of the crew. Well, I mean, let's give him some credit. He did bring a backpack. So who knows what's in that backpack. But he does, he does have like a duffel bag with him. Yes. So their idea is that they're all going to go to the reactor right. and they're going to blow it up and kill the rest of the zombies. Right. Right. I mean, again, I don't know why. I mean, I should mention that Ralph said he was up all night calling the police and he couldn't get through. So there's some explanation there. I don't know if they're, you know, Ralph and a middle aged couple and a bunch of kids are the best people <laughs> to go in and destroy this reactor. But by golly, they're going to do it. Right. And they were treated to some 90s zombies. And they, go, zombies and they go around downtown and they go to the airport. Yep. Brilliant. This is great because this is very guerrilla filmmaking. Yeah. Let's go downtown with a bunch of zombies, get them in front of monuments and just walking down the street. And that's great. It, it adds a bit of, of texture and the idea that this is happening all over. Right. Uh, and, and, <laughs> and why not? <laughs> <laughs> and bright daylight too, which is always good. Um, so they all head off together, and they don't get in a car. They decide to walk it. And uh, they, in fact, they, they question Ralph why they didn't drive, and he said that it would attract a lot of zombies if they were to drive, which I guess is fair enough. Though what they decide Except, to do, yeah. <laughs> by walking, it seems like they've made themselves a lot more uh, open. Right. But I love, I love how while they're walking, like everybody except for Ralph is just dead tired and winded and just like yeah, right? miserable. Meanwhile, Ralph's like, come on, guys, let's go. Yeah. In fact, um, <laughs> well, they have a little conversation about mm-hmm. about their respective approaches to things. You got to stick together. Have faith, guys. Yeah, and carry a big arsenal. <laughs> so dumb. So he's carrying a big arsenal, apparently. Though, again, we don't see it, and they never use it. Right. And I love the fact that they couldn't drive, because if they drove, they would attract more zombies. And then almost a second after they say that, they get attacked by zombies. And not just one or two. Like, like again, a, dozens a and of dozens. Them. Yeah. Of Larry basically turns around, and suddenly they're not only surrounded by zombies, they're in the middle of a bridge with zombies on both ends of it. Yeah, so this was the other... I would say the decision to go across a long bridge without being able to apparently see what's on the other end or what is behind you, I think that was an unwise decision. Clearly. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because even though you know they're stuck on the bridge and Mike ends up getting shoved off of the, the side, uh, to, you know, hanging off the end, 
uh, it, it doesn't matter because most of them get away. Most of them get away. Yeah. So Mike starts doing some kung fu kicks. Yeah, I, I love how yeah, Mike shows <laughs> off his skills. Because it's 1993. All right. Larry, not so lucky. Poor he <laughs> He probably should have walked away or through the zombies, but instead he just stood there while they turned him around and ripped his ass apart. And, and when you say ripped his ass apart, I mean, we're not being like figurative here. They literally tore into the seam of his pants. His, and his stonewashed jeans. His, stone, his amazing stonewashed jeans. <laughs> and ripped out his fucking intestines. They ripped out his asshole, basically. Yeah, so the, Larry had, had not a very dignified end. <laughs> my notes my notes say Larry is torn asunder. <laughs> <laughs> but the rest of the family... Now, remember what I said just a moment ago. Right. There's a bridge. They're in the middle of it. There is dozens of zombies on each side of the bridge right. coming right. towards them. All the rest of them get away with not a scratch. Right. There's, so there's maybe, there's maybe uh, a half a dozen at most zombies dealing with Larry's asshole. But the rest of them are currently attacking the rest of everybody, and they still manage to pull Mike up off the <laughs> off the side. Yes. And the rest of them get away. Now this includes uh, uh, Larry's wife, Gwen, yep. and I'm assuming Ralph's like eleven year old looking son. Right. You know, poor Larry. I mean, I'm I'm sad. I'm sad to see him go. But I mean, that doesn't mean we're not going to see him in every scene after this. But you know, he it's <laughs> it's it's glad that he and sad that he has such an undignified uh, death. You're wrong about that, Mo. It is a very dignified death. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's well. I mean, that that's my opinion, and it's uh, obviously voiced by one of the characters. Because what happens now is that they run. Right. They all decide to run away, and they run right into another huge group of zombies. Right. Uh, and and in in a move that actually makes sense, they run away from them. <laughs> I love I love Larry's ridiculously long death scene too. Like <laughs> like I mean, it, of course it takes them you know like five ten minutes to to rip out his anus, and then uh, and then they start ripping out other bits too, and and he starts spitting up you know hunks of meat from his mouth, and then falls over and eventually dies. But I love how it takes like six or seven minutes for all that to happen. <laughs> so they run and they make it to the quarry. So they right. get there, right? But Joey, Joey's having a little bit of difficulty with the idea that he just saw his dad die. Right, right. Uh, And as a way to comfort him, the other characters say that at least his dad went out fighting right. like a hero. You know, a hero who had his asshole ripped out of right, his body. Right. <laughs> And of course, Gwen's like eating the scenery and like hamming it up, you know. She does over. a pretty good job in the scene. I mean, she's freaking out. Yeah, I mean, she definitely looks like a woman who just watched her husband get his asshole ripped out by a bunch of zombies. So it Beth, works. Beth, by the way, who you might remember is her daughter. She doesn't seem that bothered by it. None of the rest of them seem all that particularly <laughs> bothered by it. Someone had to die. We were at that point yeah. in the movie. Um so yeah, so and this is where they elaborate a little bit on the idea that the quarry was the prison for these zombies. I still right. don't really get that. I, get, I love the understand. logic. I love the logic. Like he, he, like so. Ralph is like it's perfectly okay for Gwen and Beth and little Jimmy, who I'm gonna call him since we don't. I don't even know what his fucking name is. Um, how, how little Jimmy. Yeah, little Jimmy. How it's okay for the three of them to sit and wait outside in the cave. You know, just in the open and while the three of them go in because he's like, no, no, uh, the zombies won't be coming back because that was their prison for 10 years. I like how he's entirely wrong. Yeah, he's complete. He's 150 percent wrong. You have a woman who is not only in a state of shock, but she is babbling incoherently right. and making very unwise, terrifying statements. 
statements and decisions. Right. And you're going to give her a gun. Yeah, let's give her protect, a gun. To protect the two kids that you're going to leave outside with nothing else to protect them. Right. They're not even, even going to tell them to hide somewhere. If they, at least if they hid, right? Yeah. I mean, they honestly would have been safer if they went down in there and went into like a room and locked themselves in. That's true. Uh, instead of just being out in the open. Well, but anyway, because, because we see later that there are literally, I mean, literally dozens of rooms down there with nothing in them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway, we'll see how that pays off in just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so the men and Daria, they head into the quarry. Uh, so uh, we transition into a very bizarre sequence uh, with a shot of a helicopter landing, production values, mm. um, and zombies walking across a bridge. And then we see... A woman in a short skirt walking past what looked like storage sheds. Yeah, I was gonna say it looks like a self storage facility. Exactly. Uh, and she um, she goes indoors and uh, she gets attacked by zombies. Right. <laughs> She's never introduced. Uh, her character is never explained. In the commentary, they mentioned that this woman is a prostitute. Well, I assumed she was a hooker. My notes say some hooker is walking through a self storage facility. She's just wearing a short skirt. How does that make her a hooker? I'm clearly sexist. Uh, <laughs> no, I be, because, only... because I know how Todd Sheets films work, and I assumed, you know, I mean, I, oddly, you know, I mean, if, if she's not, then she's not whatever. It doesn't really matter because this entire scene matter doesn't matter at all to the movie. The only problem I have with it is the implication that the only reason this is in here is to punish a hooker. Right. Right. Because it seems like it's the only reason it's here. It's like, this is a woman who isn't identified, but is probably a hooker. Yeah. She goes into a room and is killed by zombies, and that is it. Well, I assume that it's still in the movie, because if they didn't, it, the movie would be under an hour long, and you can't really have that. <laughs> uh, as we've <laughs> shown in the past, Mo, you certainly can have that. Well, yeah, obviously, but you know what I mean. <laughs> it actually makes our lives a little bit easier sometimes. So this next scene kind of cracks me up, though, getting off of the hooker scene. Sure, getting uh, off the hooker? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. My hour's up. We're getting off the hooker. Anyway, uh, so I love that. I mean, and here's here's where here's where Ralph starts to break on for me because like for the whole movie at this point, like Ralph's a total fucking badass. It's like it's like wow, he really knows what he's doing, and now he's done two. He's been proven wrong twice now, and this is the 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 second you know instance. And this one's particularly bad because they start hear, hearing some scraping and some shuffling, and they're like, oh, it's just rats. <laughs> I'm like, you're in a town that has been attacked by that. I mean, you've personally been attacked by dozens of zombies and you're going to assume that some scraping and shuffling is rats. He might be just trying to comfort them slightly. I don't uh, think so. But it, it does seem rather naive to think that a place that had been up until recently overtaken by zombies, right. that if you heard a sound in it. Even if even if you thought all the zombies escaped, it it certainly still makes sense that some would be trapped in rooms and things. Right, exactly. I would still just assume that there's still fucking zombies there. <laughs> and of course they're attacked by zombies. <laughs> so, uh, she. by the way, Daria knows exactly where the reactor is. I don't know why or how she knows that. Again, she's supposed to be a police officer, even though we haven't been told that. She explains she, it. She says She says that, uh, I forget why, but she said she was doing research on the, on the plant that was there like for right. something. They so, go into a room later, and she kind of elaborates on that. Right, right. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, so at this point, you, you would have no idea why she would know that. Yeah, but right. At, but at some point, it is explained. So <laughs> they get attacked by zombies, right. as, as they are wont to do. 
Uh, and Ralph, his gun is now effectively useless, uh, though we don't know why at this point. And he doesn't use any of his weapons that he's apparently brought with him. Yep. Uh, Mike kicks a bunch of zombies, <laughs> which is the most ineffective way to deal with them. But yet, somehow, they kill all of them. Yeah, they're all dead. They kill all the zombies, and they don't get hurt at all. Nope. Why would nope. they? They're superhuman. Uh, it's it's unfortunate that they didn't leave some of that superhuman zombie killing power behind, because <laughs> at that very moment, dozens upon dozens of zombies Jesus. attack Gwen and the two kids, or at least they're heading into the quarry where they're just sitting there. Right. Now, the two kids are sleeping. Gwen is awake, which is a rather unfortunate for her, because she sees her fate. Now... She has a few options here. She could try to climb down that hole right, uh, and, and catch up to the rest of them. That is an option that is available to her. Uh, she could try to fight off the zombies, though. There does seem to be a lot of them. But what does she decide to do instead? Uh, <laughs> I love, you know, like, um, she, so she ends up killing everyone. <laughs> she, kills, she shoots the two kids in the head and then she and then kills herself. Takes, herself, takes her own life. But I, I mean, like, it's like I love how she like agonizes over it. I mean, obviously that's a decision you would agonize over. Sure, of course. But I mean, like, like it, it wasn't the final solution. It almost seems like to her that it was because she's still grieving over the loss of of you know her mullet. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is to say, Larry. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, like, it does. But it doesn't make any sense because like she still has another kid with Ralph, you know, like, like, you know, it, down in the, in the plant with, with Ralph. Like, so why, why are you doing that to him? You know, I mean, like it's been proved, you've been proven over and over again that if you just fight your way through the zombies, you'll get through them. You always have, you know, I mean, it hasn't just been Ralph, you know, kicking all their butts. So looking at the credits list of zombie uh, bloodbath. Yes. It, it proves here that uh, Mike and Ralph, uh, Ralph's, uh, his other son, except for Mike, is Dave. So Dave is that ah, little kid. Dave. Okay. So he is a member of the Walsh family. So they might get out and <laughs> they won't know, of course, that, I mean, she's making the agonizing decision to kill someone else's child. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not even going to wake him up and give him an opportunity to make a decision on the matter. Nope. She, she's just going to murder them. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, they're all dead. So that, that removes them from the plot. <laughs> right. And they're only mentioned once more in the film anyway. So Now, let's talk briefly, Mo, about the nuclear facility that the rest of the characters are now walking through. Right. Now, if you were to describe... A nuclear facility. Uh, would you describe it as it is shown in this movie? Uh, you mean as a clearly empty office building? No, I would not describe it as such. <laughs> they walk past a, a giant glass, uh, almost like a, a, um, a trophy case. Right. With a giant rotary symbol on it. <laughs> because you know how the Rotary Club meets in the nuclear power plant? Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like a school yeah. of some sort, I think. And, I mean, it looks like... I, it, in the commentary, Tashitz mentions that it looked fairly futuristic, which is why they use it. And it was available to them, so you can't blame them. Especially because it has some... It's underground, you can tell, because there's some like rock walls down there. Um, but it's, it does not look like a nuclear power plant. No. Not at all. Not at all. So they're walking through, and uh, hey, we get another reference to the fact that maybe we shouldn't take this too seriously. Yeah. 
Uh, oh, I remember. She says so. She says that she knows a lot about the place because she did a lot of research on it when she was working for the government. Right. Yeah. Government. Right. Government. So, and then, and then, of course, we get this. And I thought this only happened in low-budget horror flicks. <laughs> womp womp. I guess it does. Yeah. I guess he's right. It does. So, so you know what else happens in low-budget horror flicks? Constantly referencing low-budget horror flicks. <laughs> uh, we haven't mentioned, by the way, and this is something we talked about on our previous show, about how in low-budget movies, often they'll name characters after famous horror directors. Uh, this film has a General Bookwalter, a Sergeant Romero, a Lieutenant Fulci, a Mr. Argento, and an Agent Raimi. So it yeah. was the time, folks. And uh, and I know they probably didn't realize it at the time, since this came out probably 15 years before the game existed, but uh, in the zombie edition of the game Flux, there is a Larry the Zombie. Oh, well, I'm obviously a reference to Zombie <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'd like to hope so, but he doesn't have a mullet. <laughs> if, if he had a mullet, I'd be like, yeah, that's definitely Jerry Angel. Uh, and and we actually don't know if we ever really see Larry as a zombie. Yeah, uh, we do because he's because in at least one of the scenes he's wearing the Larry outfit. <laughs> Though in multiple other ones he is not. Yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> just wearing other things. So they go into a boardroom. Uh, the boardroom we actually saw at the very beginning of the movie, and they turn on all the lights. And uh, because for some act- reason they work. And there's like documentation all over the tables explaining right. some, you know, about the reactor and the implosion. Right, because this is because this is what happened at the beginning of the movie. Like they must have had to have uh, have turned tail and run quickly. Uh, <laughs> and it's a good thing that Dario works for the government because she's able to reveal that it wasn't just a nuclear implosion that caused all this to happen. There's a whole other layer of stupidity to it yeah this is really idiotic this is where the movie kind of lost me <laughs> all right here we go this facility was built over an indian burial ground the bodies were dug up and thrown away jesus christ you know it's bad enough that they're that they're nuclear zombies but now they're like cursed nuclear zombies it happens man what happened in fact is is we're told that um i guess the government take over took over the land from Indian Reservation, Daniel Firecloud uh, put a lawsuit against the U.S. government, and then the Indians put a five-year curse on the place. And five years after the place imploded, all this shit went down. I don't know why the, why Indians would want like the entire world <laughs> to be taken over by zombies. Right. That seems like overkill. Yeah, right. Uh, but uh, but apparently that's what happened. It's a combination. Like the, I guess the the nuclear shit just melted faces. It's the curse that turned them all into zombies. Wow. I think Ralph says the government bozo screwed something <laughs> up around here. Bozo. <laughs> oh, I love uh, it. It's so, so stupid. So they leave the boardroom and are immediately attacked by zombies because they left a place. Uh, one of the notable things about the zombies that they encounter from this point on and for the rest of the movie is that there are a lot of kids in the groups of zombies. Why were there a bunch of kids in a nuclear plant? Yeah, right? Well, maybe what? maybe these are zombies who like are turned after the fact. You know, cuz I mean, classically speaking, when you're attacked by a zombie and bitten by one, you're turned. So right. may- maybe we can make the assumption that the kids, you know, and all of the uh obvious, you know, 90s clothes-wearing uh zombies were produced after the fact, so to speak. <laughs> uh this in this group of zombies also we we see Larry <laughs> No one mentions it. Right. 
no one mentions that one of the zombies attacking them has a massive mullet and walrus mustache. Right. <laughs> um, on the commentary, uh, uh, Todd actually deflects some of the criticism of the fact that Larry keeps uh, showing up in scenes from here on in. His explanation is that it's supposed to be symbolic of the fact that this uh, that that they're spreading, that they're getting all over the place, which seems to imply that. It's supposed to be Larry in every time that we see him, but he does wear different clothes every time we see him. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't believe that that for a second. What what I what I say to the whole thing is, who cares? It's funny as shit. It you is know? funny as shit. Yeah. I was glad to see him return. Yeah, I was I I was so happy to see that mullet after Larry died. I'm like, you know what? I'm totally happy with that. And then like it, like the first time you see him is literally with the first like zombie attack after he dies. And uh, and it's great too because I forget who they're attacking, but Larry's standing directly in the back behind them, and he kind of like pulls this face, and it's just brilliant. What I'll, what I'll do is after we're done with this, I'll find the moment that I'm talking about, and I'll post it up on our on our group page. But it's Ooh, um, multimedia. Yeah, I know. Hey, it's not great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we should do this live anyway. We do, by the way, pull a lot of screenshots and toss them on there when one amuses us. I always, always do. Yeah. Always. So they run off and they run into a uh Mike, Joey, and Ralph, I should say. Right. They've kind of split off from Daria. They run into a church. Yeah. A church. I mean, it's not entirely beyond a reasonable doubt. <laughs> it's not entirely impossible that that there might be a church in a massive nuclear facility. I right, exactly. And and it makes sense to me, I mean, because I've seen twenty eight days later. So Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So they go into this. Who I'm certain must have taken this idea from, you know, like they they obviously stole the idea from Zombie Bloodbath. Yeah, of course. Of course. Danny Boyle was just going through all of his favorite zombies. <laughs> now that's a good idea. So, so, is that what you think Danny Boyle sounds like? No, I'm just, I'm, you know, my whatever. I'm putting my own voice on it. <laughs> so they go in and there's a bunch of people sitting and suddenly they think, oh, wow, they must be a bunch of survivors, even though <laughs> if there were a bunch of survivors sitting in church doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. But when they start talking, all of them stand up and they prove themselves to be zombies, including a priest. <laughs> Hello. Uh, the on the commentary for this, Todd Sheets mentions that uh, he, this was a commentary by him. Not <laughs> that, that was a commentary in the movie, but this was him making a statement of the fact that. Uh, people in church are, uh, are are kind of zombified in the sense that they're just following something blindly, uh, which is a very reasonable criticism. Except, <laughs> except for the fact that Todd Sheets thanks God and Christ and every movie up to this point. Yeah, he, he including I mean, the original cut of this one. It's <laughs> it's perfectly okay to have faith, and but you can't. I disagree with that, but I mean, it's. Uh, but, I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be a mediator here. Oh, I uh, see. I see. No, I'm totally fine with it. With his, you know, newfound lack of faith. That's that's great in my book. But uh, <laughs> but we all know that at this point in time, he had lots of it. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, on the on the making of there's a uh, there's a, there's actually a series of news reports about the making of this film, and one of them they mentioned the fact that at the time uh, that. Well, he mentions himself being a Christian, but also that he didn't uh, drink or smoke or swear right, on right. set. I've been on a bunch of movie sets. 
you got to swear. <laughs> <laughs> you got to tell people to fuck off as yeah. often as you possibly can. Now, see, even I, even I am willing to admit that I had my religious days and my teens and all that jazz. You know, I mean, we we all, you know, all of the smart ones get over L- it eventually. Listen to MXPX. Yeah, huh? right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, DC talk. Yeah. No, I never went that far. <laughs> well, good for you. Right. I mean, we all have our complicated early days right exactly we all and most of us get over it <laughs> and you know so while but it's a good set piece at the very least absolutely and it yeah. looks good absolutely yeah. uh so as that is happening daria is actually by herself she's fighting off a bunch of zombies by herself she finds a machete yeah this is the most confounding part of the film for me is that all of a sudden there's just this machete sitting cockeyed on a fucking pallet you know that's fine yeah. it's fine that there's a machete there i it's guess fine that nobody decided to use it when the, they were when all the shit was going down doesn't matter. She right. has a machete now, uh, and she <laughs> doesn't she like immediately drop it. Okay, so Daria goes into another room with the machete and she immediately drops it, and then it goes away, and you right. never see it again. Exactly. Originally, in this movie, in the original cut of the movie, she uses the machete and kills a bunch of zombies with it. So why cut that out? It it does look a little rough. Meh. It looks pretty rough, but it. But he kept the hooker scene in. Yeah, yeah, and well, I mean, it. I think he just thought the effects work on it probably didn't look uh, that. Good. Okay, well, I don't know. That's which fine. is an explanation, but it's really unfortunate because now it looks like she's a complete idiot. Yeah, now it just makes her look stupid, <laughs> but not as stupid as Ralph looks ultimately. But I mean, <laughs> um. So yeah, so she just runs off, um, Joey. Back with the other group, op- they're just kind of opening doors randomly and looking inside. They open one, and Daria runs through. Here's the part that I love on this one, where, where they're just opening doors. <laughs> Ralph is the only one with a gun, and yet, yeah. and yet he's having the other two Kids, children. Yeah, children. Uh, yeah. Okay. Go. Go ahead, Mike. Open. Check that one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Joey, check that. One. You know, it's like I mean. It would be different if he was standing there with the gun pointed at the door. But he's or whatever. not. Yeah. But he's not. He's just kind of just standing there. He's two doors back because he had just checked that one. Yeah, yeah. They're not doing this in the smartest what way. What if there were state. zombies behind three of the doors and they opened them all up at the same time? What if instead of Daria <laughs> running through that door, it was a zombie, which it almost certainly could have been. Yeah. Though it doesn't matter anyway because they're super dumb because as soon as she does come through the door and they they're like oh it's good to have you back they turn around and immediately get attacked immediately attacked yeah by another larry zombie (laughs) (laughs) larry attacks once again every single i told you larry's in every single zombie scene because larry i believe is in the church i mean he's definitely in the church zombie scene but he because he's wearing all black in that one in this one i think he's also wearing all black but I think in the next one we see him back in his uh, his blue shirt and uh, uh, stonewashed pants. So so uh, he, his zombie acting is pretty good. It's very intense. I, I actually like him better as a zombie than I did at, at all for, for him as a character. But once again, uh, Larry and Ralph and Daria and Mike, they get away without being bitten or hurt in any way. Right. So they run, run into another room. Uh, and I guess that this is the room that they initially climbed down into, but it looks entirely different at this right, point. Right, right. Uh, and it is filled with zombies. And I think, isn't this the point, like, this is around the point where, oh, no, no, it's right after this. 
Uh, there's a great scene here where they have to climb up a rope, uh, and like, yeah. and Ralph is setting up some dynamite. Like, yes, that's, like, that's, wh- that's what's happening right now. Right. So like, why you know? And th- there's great too because like when they get there and they realize the room's filled with zombies, they go, "Holy shit!" Um, Let's hear it. I think we have that. Do no, we, have we don't. We don't have Aww. that. We didn't. We didn't grab that. Well, let me do my impression of it. Holy shit! Yeah, it's pretty good actually. <laughs> <laughs> so so they have to. They all have to climb up the rope. You know, just and, and they all manage to get up the rope despite the zombies. Ralph is fiddling with some dynamite, and he and he ends up having to light the thing, and then he ends climbs up the rope. Uh, but there's this great moment, and I grabbed a screenshot for it, and I don't know if I put it on my Facebook page or the page or the group Facebook page, right. where one of the zombies looks directly into the camera, <laughs> you know, for like a full second. And so I grabbed a screenshot. I'm like, way to break the fourth wall, zombie. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, there, we didn't really mention it, but there are several sequences in this where characters are being attacked by zombies and they are visibly smiling while it's happening. <laughs> so at least everyone's having a good time. Yeah, no, so, I mean, that, that's that's the thing about these movies is they're really just more about like understanding how much fun people were having making them. Exactly. Yeah, so, I, so they like dynamite. They all climb the rope. They manage to all shimmy up, even Ralph. Right. Uh, and they run out of the quarry and it explodes right and so yeah so they seal off the zombies and then of course they say they say to they say to ralph they go so you had this gun the entire time how come you didn't shoot any zombies and that's when he goes "Ah, i left my shells in the car (laughs) oh ralph that is such a fucking weird thing i mean Again, there's no reason for him to have carried around the gun the entire time. The single most competent guy in the film makes the biggest zombie movie mistake that you left, could possibly make. Left his shells in the car. Womp womp. For, okay, another thing. What car? Right. <laughs> they didn't Exa- drive there. Yeah, exactly. Which means that he's so stupid that in the entire time it took them from to get from their house to out there, he did not realize that, there, that he had no shells on him. Yeah, and he didn't tell anybody either. Yeah. It's, how about if they were in a corner and they'd be like, Dad, shoot the zombie. And he's oh, like, oh, well. Left my, shells at, <laughs> left my shells at home. Sorry, kids. So, so by the way, the explosion was, all it is is they shake the camera and they throw some dirt down and that's how they do the explosion. It's, I mean, It's borderline effective. I mean, it works. It, it, it does the job. Yeah. I mean, believe me, it's better than having something terrible. <laughs> yeah, I would I would much rather them do something stupid like that than try to attempt something horrible in CG, <coughs> Moonchild. And uh <laughs> you know, but I but I love how in this scene. So they so now they're so this is the one moment where they wonder where the mom and the sister and the other brother are. And of course they ran right past them to get out, so I don't know why they're wondering this. Um and then, uh, and then they're qu- contemplating the ideas. Oh, do you think they're all in there? So I don't know why, for a second, they would assume that all the zombies are still in that building when so many zombies have already attacked them outside of that building at their respective houses, yeah, at their homes, and in literally every location in between. And of course, they're immediately and attacked. that the last thing they yeah. And the last thing they said before going down was, of course, they'll never come back here. Yeah, they'll never come back right? here. But now they're wondering. Which suggests that there's still tons of them out there. Right. It, idiotic. Th- so they get attacked immediately. That's, the, that's, that's them at their stupidest right yeah. there. I like how they, they're out there. Ralph explains about the, the shells. They're kind of celebrating a little bit. Yeah. And then Joey notices that his that like mom and Beth, <laughs> that they're gone. Right. <laughs> 
hey, they're not out here anymore. Yeah. Which, by the way, they were overtaken by zombies who must have then walked away with their corpses. Right, exactly. You know, Or either that or you just blew them the fuck up, you know, sealing in the zombies. So uh, they get attacked by zombies. Larry is amongst them Larry's once again. every single zombie attack. We're, at, we're By the way, for anyone wondering, we're at the end of the movie now. Yeah, this is, this is the end right now. We only so, have like two more audio clips left. Yeah, so... Uh, and Joey, one of them is a minute of music, so <laughs> whatever. So now, they're going to kill off every main character now. Of course, why not? This is, this is the time to do it. Joey, for some reason, gets his shirt ripped off. He just gets torn in fucking half. Yeah, and he just gets shirts ripped off. He gets his shirt ripped off, and then they rip him in half. I remember, uh, I remember looking down to type something on my, on my uh, laptop, and then looking up... And all of a sudden, Joey didn't have a shirt on anymore. And he, <laughs> and he runs face first into a group of zombies. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> so they rip him in half. And they do it in that really awesome classic special effect it way where you bury is, someone yeah, in, in the ground. Cool, and cool. Yeah, I, lo- I mean, it, looks, it actually looks really good in the movie. Yeah, so in this particular on one, it's, it's, probably, it's actually probably one of the better effects in the film. Well, like, actually, this whole sequence has like, like one good special effect right, after another. Right, exactly. So Joey gets ripped in half. Mike... <laughs> Mike dies. If you could die in a, I can't think of a dumber way to die in a zombie apocalypse than what Mike does, which is that he is still kung fu kicking a bunch right, of zombies right, right. in the woods, and managed to get embedded on a tree. Yeah, he like impales himself. Like if you ever saw Tucker and Dale versus Evil, like when that dude like runs right. into the, you know, runs into the tree spike, and it's exactly what Mike does. Yeah. So Mike Mike kills himself basically. Yeah. And then we and then we see a nun zombie. And when I saw the nun zombie, I'm like that's amazing. I love it. <laughs> and that's because Ralph is outside like actual buildings. Uh, right. Mike ran to the woods somehow. Right. <laughs> but Ralph Ralph is outside actual buildings and he is uh, fighting them off slightly, but they overtake him and one of them pushes their arm through his body from the back yeah. and pulls out his heart Tears from the out his heart. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. Hey, it's special effects. Right. Isn't just a bunch of meat laid on them. Yeah. <laughs> now, you might think, well, I guess movie's over. But remember, Daria still exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daria is running through the woods as well. And she actually runs through a big puddle and climbs a tree and swings on a rope. I mean, she's getting it done. Yeah. <laughs> she's really showing off her skills. She's very. She's John Ramboing it up. Now, because except, of except that. Except not. <laughs> because of that, in this sequence, you get to see her being chased by zombies who then like are jumping over things and right. climbing down things and so the, suddenly the zombies don't look as much like zombies as they do just people following her <laughs> uh by the way this is the point where i was watching and i was like oh wait did she have a gun <laughs> how much you want to bet this is one of the last this is one of the last scenes that they shot you know because they're yeah just, they're right. just like you know what fuck it just put some put some powder on your face and we'll we'll run after this chick and then of course they're sweating it all off you know so uh, she climbs into a pickup truck and Larry attacks outside once right, again. Right. <laughs> and uh, then she drives off. Yep. She drives off. We get lots and lots of shots of zombies. And then we get a news report on the radio. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's hear your thoughts on this. Well, I want to play it first. I'm, I'm going to play it first, but and, and then we'll talk about it. This, All right. This is... Oh, let's, I'll hear you're listening to 105.7 St. Louis, and it's time for the news. Things have gotten really crazy in Kansas City. It seems some crazy bunch of people, possibly a militant gang, have been killing everyone they can find in what appears to be a random and senseless bloodbath. All right, so let's let's break this down a little bit, okay? Things have gotten really crazy in Kansas City. <laughs> 
you know, I, I minor mean, understatement. Yeah, minor <laughs> understatement. Some crazy bunch of people. Crazy using the same word. Yeah, crazy. Some in the crazy bunch of people. When would you ever describe a bunch of people on the news as a bunch of people? Crazy bunch of people. Possibly a militant gang. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then, of course, it says seem, killing everybody at random. Seemingly so, at random. Yeah, so it's like, what the fuck? <sighs> How is this news, for one thing? <laughs> and also, <laughs> it, it there seems like... If there was a militant gang randomly killing everybody in Kansas City, you'd be a little bit more urgency to right. that. In fact, maybe you would. It wouldn't be time for the news. Maybe you would only be broadcasting. Yeah, exactly. Like it wouldn't be time for the news. It would be you know an emergency alert is in order. You know you you know there are evacuations happening as there is you know a militant gang murdering citizens. You know I mean come on. There's there's I mean there's there's bad writing and then there's just fucking bad writing, you know, and this just doesn't work. <laughs> so anyway, uh, then we get a shot of a what is apparently a police department right. where where all the police officers are dead. All the cops are dead. I don't well they didn't come back as zombies. There's just a bunch of corpses. They're just dead, yeah. Yeah, so I don't really know what that's supposed to represent necessarily, but it, I guess it just means that there's no authority. There's no one coming to stop these zombies. It represents how Christ has left their lives and they no longer have any authority. Oh, my. Uh, but I guess not everyone in Kansas City is aware of all the shit going on because then we get to see a this, guy going into a video store. Contextually speaking, this might be my favorite scene in the entire movie because <laughs> after all of the events that have happened so far, the idea that just some random dude is just going to walk into a fucking video store and just go to rent videos, you know? <laughs> he goes, got any zombie movies? <laughs> I like yeah. the idea that he knows it's going on. He's like, oh, man, it looks like the entire city is being attacked by zombies. You know what I would like? To watch some zombie movies. Yeah, some <laughs> kind of the video yeah. store. I, I love shots in video, like scenes in video stores from 80s and 90s movies because, well, because of the nostalgia aspect. Yeah. You get to see posters for Under Siege and Passenger 57. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm with you on that. I love to see uh, scenes from films from this era uh, done in video stores. I mean, nothing will ever ever top the video store scenes from like video violence but i mean <laughs> but th but this 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 one's this one's not bad and i love the fact that he ends up just immediately getting attacked and killed by zombies and and the video store owner she gets yeah. attacked too how do they not know there's zombies in their fucking store like, like this, suddenly this, suddenly the whole store is full of them right uh and they're, he they're, got yeah. attacked first he got yeah. attacked first so they didn't come through the front door because she would have screamed before he got attacked mm -hmm. stealth yep. zombies uh, one of the zombies, by the way, is Larry. <laughs> Once again. Always Larry. <laughs> I like how we just call him Larry. That's <laughs> just a character name. To, but quote, yeah, so they, uh, to quote Weird Al Yankovic, I remember Larry. <laughs> so they get uh, ripped apart, and that has nothing to do with anything nope. except for just another scene. Yeah. Can you imagine? Remember, by the way, he's cut out like 15 minutes of footage out of this to, uh, to make it go, like make it a smoother movie to watch and that was left in <laughs> yeah exactly i mean I, but you got to figure also at some point you got to leave some of this shit in just so that you can uh you know maintain a certain length at the very least you know the closing credits hit at six the 64 minute mark right immediately before the closing credits which we're about to see is a uh, british movie tone newsreel of uh the queen opening the first nuclear power plant in england it's supposed to be a commentary. However, 
before that, there was nuclear power plants opened in the United States where this movie takes place, right. which, I, which I feel like would have been a little more apt to the content. Also, it doesn't really feel like this movie is a commentary on the proliferation of nuclear arms or, or nuclear power plants. Yeah, I didn't get that. So I, it it does seem like a, a bit of a non sequitur. No, end. this entire movie is basically just a fucking zombie effects reel, and I'm fine with that. You know, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Don't don't. I mean, I think Tachi's fucking... himself would describe this as a, you know a movie to have a beer with and and right. relax. You know, it's just a s- trashy zombie flick. Right, exactly. Which is fine. The which is of course why you have to point out when there seems to be a more serious message on top of it because it seems to really stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah. So then we get the closing credits, and in a Todd Sheets movie, you can't have a closing credits without an Enochian Key Todd Sheets song. Damn straight. Let's hear it. All right, now I'm actually going to play it. <laughs> I just totally played something else, and because oh, I know what you played. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. So much for Mr. Reliability, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I got a, I got a full minute of it because Holy I wanted, to, I, I wanted to get into the chorus. Now, here, here's what you got to do. If you have the capability, I'm talking to the audience here, because right, I know that you do, Doug. If you have the capability, find, get yourself a copy of this on some kind of digital format, or if you can do this on your actual DVD player, and watch that song on 1.5 speed. That song is fucking amazing (laughs) (laughs) actually you know what i could probably do it right now you could probably do it right now let me just do it right now and i'll play it right for you because you guys are all awesome there it goes so much better Because when you speed it up, it sounds like fucking Zeke. It's awesome. (laughs) All right, that's enough of that. (laughs) Uh, The closing credits are pretty great. It does mention that in 1993, I guess Kansas City got hit by a giant flood. Over 200 zombies who worked on the film helped sandbag and dig ditches for the flood relief cause. Uh, And it also gives us uh, the total number of zombies in the movie, which is 735, which I got to say, man, that is fucking impressive. Right. Um, uh, yeah, so it really just has a huge, huge number of, of extras. And, you know, the fact that a lot of people obviously had a good time making this, it, it, it makes more its flaws a little easier to forgive. Oh, and you, uh, want, you want to laugh. Uh, 
I do. That that well, not laugh, but like an odd coincidence. I was like 13 when this movie was being made, and I actually remember that story. Uh, the story about the zombies sandbagging because of the flood. Like, oh. it, it, yeah, it was actually mentioned real briefly on my local news, you know, here in Connecticut. And I and I, was, I remember thinking how cool that was that a bunch of zombies were helping to sandbag stuff. And like, and I totally forgot about it until you just mentioned that. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it. it it's nice to see that they were doing good even while this movie was being made. Uh, the, the <laughs> they were credits, doing such good while they yeah. were doing such bad. Uh, in the, the credits, I think the closing credits have been remade once again. There's a little bit tacked on. In fact, the credits just keep going and going. There's a special thanks and then there's another special thanks. Right. But as, as someone who worked on a movie which had two opening sets of credits, I guess I can't really complain about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, you know what, though? It's still better than that fucking Tales of the Dead, which had fucking opening credit sequences <laughs> for all of its segments. But that is it. That is Zombie Bloodbath. Yes, now, Mo. Is. From what we've discussed here today, I got the impression that you didn't love Zombie Bloodbath. No, I do. I actually really do love Zombie Bloodbath. I mean, it's not a great movie, but it's, you know, it's. It, I definitely think it's uh, one of the better, like, it's definitely one of Todd Sheets' better films. Now, if you had to rank the Todd Sheets movies that we have watched on this show, let's do it. Let's, let's hear your rankings. Like best to worst? Yeah, let's go best to worst. All right. Well, I mean, best would, for me would be Zombie Rampage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Zombie Bloodbath would probably be second, and then Nightmare Asylum and yeah. uh, and Goblin. Did that's it, right? We've only done four. Did we did uh, Sorority Babes? All right, oh, right we did Sorority Babes. So yeah, stick that in the middle. Really? Yeah. So when you say no, middle, no, no, you know what? I'm sorry. No, that's wrong. Put that in between Nightmare Asylum and uh, and and Goblin. Hmm. So Goblin is the worst for you. God, well, Goblin's definitely the worst. It's the worst. Period. You know, it's it's not a great movie. <laughs> it's not. It's 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 the it's one of the it's the probably the only Todd Sheets film that we've covered so far that I didn't particularly like. You know, I'm I'm actually going to put Zombie Bloodbath as my number one. Yeah, I only put Zombie Rampage as my number one because I have such like history with it and right. like it's like it has such a nostalgia for me I, I think even you would agree that it, this is a better made. no this is definitely a better made film no i would put, i would put zombie rampage as my number two right uh and then i probably would put then it's a bit of a crapshoot <laughs> yeah right i, I mean say, I, I would put i mean i'd put sorority babes in like nightmare asylum kind of like even uh, i would probably put nightmare asylum as my last and put goblin ahead of it interesting I know. Well, I know because you really remember that part. Yeah, because you that do part really, at the end really where they have the riding that. lawnmower, or it's just a lawnmower right. in Goblin. I remember enjoying that part so much and thinking, "I'm enjoying this more than any part of Nightmare Asylum." That's true. Okay, fine, fair enough. <laughs> so maybe, so maybe I'll just, I'll just have the last three be all fucking tied, <laughs> tied for third and last. So what we're really doing is confirming exactly what Todd Sheets thought, which is that this movie is really a step up from the movies he was making at that time. With the exception of Zombie Rampage, it really is. And <laughs> though Goblin was released afterwards, I don't think you can really fairly uh, kind of lump it in with it. No, no, I would never. I wouldn't. You would never, would you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I never. <laughs> now, one interesting thing, and uh, this was actually brought up to me by Johnny Dickey when I was talking to him recently, uh, shot on video, youth legend Johnny Dickey, uh, that at the time when this was being made, 
uh, a movie, another movie from Trust in Us Productions came out called The Witching. Uh, now, The Witching was not directed by Todd Sheets, but it, it shares a lot of the same cast from this movie, uh, including the actor who played Mike. Uh, and Todd Sheets himself worked on it in a number of different capacities, including producing cinematography. Uh, he did assistant director and second unit director, and he acts in it. Uh, and it has a very similar kind of production values to uh, zombie bloodbath. So mm. if you check out The Witching, you'll see that it it's kind of strange to watch The Witching because Tachis was involved in it to such a large capacity, but it's so much better than the movies he was making around that time period. <laughs> but once you see Zombie Bloodbath, it makes a lot more sense in that context. Right. I mean, he you can see I mean, the influence that he had on The Witching was to such a huge extent that it it's really an alternate Todd Sheets movie. Yeah, and you said that's on our Bloody Nightmares. Yeah, uh, it's actually on the Bloody Nightmares collection. Worth yeah. worth seeing. I remember that being one of the uh, the best of that I, I had actually seen up to that point. Uh, in fact, I might recall. I think on the IMDb page it says that J.R. Bookwalter actually edited that film wow. under a pseudonym. That's pretty but, cool. But I remember, and, and and this I might be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure that I actually mentioned that to J.R. Bookwalter himself on Twitter just forever ago, and he in- denied it entirely. He said mm. that he did not work on it. Now I, now I want someone with a bit more uh, uh, intelligence and chops than myself to actually discover whether that's true or not. Yeah, Johnny Dickey, get on that. Yeah, get on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he can. He uh, would. One thing that Mo and I were talking about before this started is whether when we see Roger Williams, the name Roger Williams, in the um, cast and crew lists of Todd Sheets movies, if that's just another pseudonym for for Todd Sheets. I'm going to go with the idea that it is. Yeah, I can only speculate that it is, but I mean, I, how could it not be? Yeah, I mean, even on the list for the the some of the lists that you see on IMDb, uh, right? I'm looking at the one for The Witching right now, and it says Todd Sheets Gaffer as Roger Williams. So, I, but it's interesting because his name appears so often in his own credits already. Doesn't right. seem, and sometimes he pairs his own name with Roger Williams, so it makes it particularly doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, but what can you say? Right. He, he marches to the beat of his own drummer. <laughs> he certainly does. Yeah. So that was Zombie Bloodbath. Now, we also should mention that Zombie Bloodbath is the first of a trilogy of zombie movies directed by Todd Sheets. He would follow it up uh, in 1995 with Zombie Bloodbath number two, and Zombie Bloodbath three, Zombie Armageddon, came out in 2000. Yeah, I've, I don't. I mean, I know I've seen both of those, but it's been so goddamn long. I don't remember a damn thing about them. I do remember that there isn't any direct continuity. I think from yeah. from the film, at least from the first to the second. Uh, but I imagine at some point we are going to uh, we are going to check those out. <laughs> <laughs> Might take a while. Yeah, but- I mean, we've uh, yeah, I mean, like we haven't we haven't covered anybody to the extent that we've covered Todd Sheets. I mean, we might want we might want to give some other people a chance for a little <laughs> bit first before we uh before we revisit the old Sheetster. But uh I can't quit him. That's my problem. It's true. It's true. He's I mean, I I would say without I mean, for for me at least, I can't talk on your behalf, but for me, oh, but for me, I mean, I would say he's he's probably my favorite of the uh the the ultra low budget directors. Well, look at you making a a rash, expansive decision on who your favorites are. Well, I mean, I, you know, I, there's there's a, there's a handful that I really love, and he's and he's definitely up there. I think of him as being very representative of the culture that surrounds these sort of movies, sure. And because of the influence and the kind of footprint that he's left on it, that I'm I can say very clearly, I'm glad Todd Sheets exists. Right, exactly. So, Mo, if that is your real name, it's not. But go ahead. 
we should discuss what movie we're going to be covering on the next episode of the No Budget Nightmares podcast. Right. Shouldn't we discuss that? Yes, we should. We have discussed it. Or what I should say is I told you what I would like to see and you didn't come back with I don't want to see that. Right, exactly. And that's and that's really as good as it's going to get for me. Yes. <laughs> Cuz I mean we've done it in the past where you've said well what about this and I've said no. <laughs> so so I'll I'll interpret that as an approval and, it is. and, and announce that on the next episode of the No Budget Nightmares podcast we are going to be watching 1984's Combat Shock directed by Buddy Giovanazzo. Giovanazzo? Yeah, Giovanazzo. I mean, it might, it might be Giovanazzo or, you know. Giovanazzo. Giovanazzo. But, yeah. but, but you're not wrong. That is, that is how, it's, that's how it's said. Combat shock. The, de- the depressing. Uh, even super, it, super fucking depressing. It's super depressing, but it's also incredible. Uh, tortured Vietnam veteran uh, d- released by trauma of all things. Almost, I think- yeah, this is, this is probably the most surprising film that trauma has ever put out because this is like like yeah like you said depressing it's like almost gut-wrenching a little bit and it's it's just so it's such a hard movie to watch and it's like so well made and or not I don't, you know what i mean yeah no, when, absolutely. I, when i say that uh that like for trauma to put it out it's like whoa that's weird but i'm glad they did because now more people will see it and hopefully after we cover it you know in a couple of weeks then more people will go out and watch it t- still yeah, this I, I I'm really I was really pleased with myself for making this pick. This, but was, what I really, this was a good choice. But what I really mean by it is it's you know a lot of people got conned into watching this movie a little bit, right? Uh, Combat shock because of it being released by Troma, right? Because the cover doesn't really give away quite how uh, depressing and almost a racer head <laughs> level of surreal it no, gets. No, the the, al- the alternate cover, like the one that Troma, yes. th- that one with him putting the holding the gun to his head, that one is way more representative. Right, but I can imagine people picking this up and thinking that it's going to be like Troma's War. Or yeah, something yeah, exactly. Like They're going to think it's a fucking war film, or it's going to like be all like fucking like it's going to be another fucking John Rambo, and it's not. That's yeah. the fourth time I've mentioned John Rambo in this show, by the <laughs> way. You're obsessed with John Rambo. I, you know, I actually recently watched all four of the of the fucking Rambo films, so that's why I have Rambo on the brain. So it's like whenever I think action, I immediately go right to it. <laughs> well, uh, Combat Shock. We will be discussing at length on the next episode of the No Budget Nightmares podcast. Sweet. Uh, so let's see. Do we have any other housekeeping that we have to do? We talked about Light of Blood. We talked about uh, some of the nice feedback we've been getting. We've been telling everyone to go over to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash groups slash No Budget Nightmares, all one word, or just do a search for No Budget Nightmares on Facebook. Uh, and that's something that people should do. They should. Uh, I do want to mention that I, I – and I, I – we sometimes talk at the end of the episodes about things that we watched lately. I just wanted to bring it up very quickly that I recently saw a documentary called Kung Fu Elliot. I don't think mm. we talked about this on the show yet, Mo. I don't think we have. I mean, we've talked about it in private, but I don't think we've talked about it on the show. And Kung Fu Elliot is about a low-budget, micro-budget filmmaker in uh, Nova Scotia here in Canada who's making action movies or martial arts movies. He, right. he wants to be the Canadian Jackie Chan or the Canadian Chuck Norris. And, and the, it... It starts out, the movie starts out a lot like uh, American movie, for those who are familiar with that, and you should be. You damn uh, well better be. Yeah. So it's about kind of like someone who's dreaming big and wants to be sort of this superstar and has this martial arts background and has like friends who are a bit quirky and odd. But this is a documentary. It absolutely is all real. 
And the movie gets so fucking crazy. I mean, I know that I use that to describe a lot of things as crazy. No, no, I think this is accurate. Yeah. So uh, I recently had a chance to talk to the directors of this movie. I talked to them for a really long time, actually. <laughs> I think they were getting a little annoyed with me by the end because <laughs> I, I was just asking every question I possibly No, could no, th- those are the guys you want to ask all the fucking crazy questions to because what a fascinating story. Yeah, absolutely. Now, th- there's, gonna, there's, uh, there's some screenings coming up in the U.S. Uh, if you check out Kung Fu Elliot, com. I don't usually pimp a movie specifically this much, but for people who like no-budget movies and micro-budget movies, you're going to want to check this out because, because it gets... It starts in a way that you think you know where it's going, and then it goes somewhere entirely different. The whole thing goes fucking pear-shaped. It's great. Yeah, and it's, it's actually showing at the Fantasia Film Festival here in uh, Canada and Montreal at the end of this month, and hopefully before the, this episode comes out. But yeah, if you get a chance to see it, see it. I'm sure, actually, if you're, if you're listening to this from Canada, you can actually buy it on iTunes right now, and I suggest you do so. Boom. Mo, have you seen anything of interest lately? Oh, uh, God. It's, you know, I, I, I stopped um, paying attention <laughs> to, to what I've been watching, how to what as, I've been saying on this podcast, <laughs> I stopped paying attention to everything you've been saying. Uh, no, I've been kind of obsessing. Oh, you know what I watched? I mean, I don't Rambo. want. I, I don't want. I, yeah, I did watch all four Rambo movies. Um, I don't want to talk about it too much, just because I am actually covering it tomorrow, right. uh, which would be Wednesday. Uh, so by the time this goes up, it'll have already aired. But uh, I, uh, I did watch uh, that movie, Blue Ruin. Oh right! Yeah, and really loved it. Uh, I definitely would would suggest that to any to everybody. Uh, I watched that movie Red Hill from 2010. Oh right! Uh, because I'd, it had been suggested to me because it kind of like falls into the realm of like old schools kind of action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's good. It's not great. It's good. Um, and then uh, another one that I watched that uh, I'll just go into very briefly is um, I watched. That uh, what is it? It's Scandinavian. I forget which country specifically, but it's it's called We Are the Best. Oh right, of course. Yeah, and that's really good. They played at TIFF last year, and I really wanted to see it, but it just didn't work out. But it seems like just recently the response to it has been like I've seen it on some like best of the first half of the year list. Right, it's really good. It's it's really really impressive. And it's about like some young girls starting a punk band. Right, right exactly. It's about these two girls who kind of consider themselves punk, and they pull a third girl in, and they start a band, and it's. It's, and there's like obviously like interpersonal drama that, that happens because they're young, you know, and it's and it's the sort of stuff that happens to that age girls, you know. Um, and other than that, I've just been I've been catching up on, on a lot of uh, like British television that I've missed over the last uh, year or two. Um, I watched the entire series for that show Black Mirror, which is might, oh, right. might, might be one of the best shows I've ever watched. Charlie Brooker, man. It's brilliant stuff. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Um, I watched uh, the first two seasons of Orphan Black, which was really good, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm just cur- uh, I'm currently catching up. I watched the first season of Luther, and I I've got two more seasons to watch of that, and then I watched the first season of um, Broadchurch, which is also really good. Oh sure, yeah. Wow, you have been watching a lot of TV lately. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm not gonna belabor the point, but I also did recently see see uh, saw. I recently saw the Bong Joon-ho film Snowpiercer. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I watched that a while ago, but yeah, that one's great. Yeah, that's great, uh, and, and people should definitely check it out and also check out all of Bong Joon-ho's other films. I Just, also saw yeah. 
Because you're Sorry? also because you're also a huge fan of his other film, uh, Memories of Murder, right? I'm a massive yeah. fan of Memories of Murder, and and I love the host too, and I love Mother. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I just like his work overall. But yeah, Memories of Murder, he's that a, is one. He's a really really uh, fantastic director. Oh, and you know what? Uh, and yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And there's one there's one other movie I wanted to mention because I mentioned a bunch of good movies I watched. I want to mention a really shitty movie I watched uh, that I that I, it was recommended to me by a coworker. Please do. Uh, and I was ashamed at how much, at how bad this movie was, given the director's previous work. But I watched Willow Creek. Oh, and it's a pile of shit. You know, oh, is it? That's really unfortunate it's, to hear. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate to hear because I adore World's Greatest Dad. I loved it. I gave it a five star. It was one of my favorite films of that year. I love God Bless America. You know, this terrible. I uh, I Bobcat is someone that I'm I really respect the movies that he makes right, a lot. Right, right. Uh and and I didn't love God Bless America. I had some real problems with it, but World's well, it has Greatest issues. Dad World's Greatest Dad is a movie I love. Yeah. Uh Let's Sleeping Dog Lie is a, a movie that I really love. Windy yeah. City Heat is a movie I really love. Right. So I I was really excited. I mean the idea even of him ta- Tackling a Sasquatch movie, it made me very excited. I haven't seen it yet, but yeah, yeah I'm not going to. I won't spoil anything for you if you decide you do want to watch it. But I am telling you that I was thoroughly disappointed. Bob boom. There's one really great scene in it. I have to admit, there's one good like. <laughs> well, I'll keep my eyes open. <laughs> suspense. There's one like good like sort of suspenseful scene, but then it's almost immediately ruined. So whatever. And I do. And and I, I suspect the next time we'll talk, I'll probably mention how I've watched the Zero Theorem, but I haven't watched that yet. So. Yes. Well, that's that's coming soon. Keep us posted. Will do. You can find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. E-Y. E-Y. You can find Mo at Drunk on VHS on Twitter as well. Yeah. You can find old episodes of the show at NoBudgetPodcast.com. You can find us on iTunes. Uh, and please subscribe. Please comment. We really do appreciate it. Uh, keep an eye out in the near future. We're probably going to do a giveaway regarding Light of Blood. Uh, so, I mean, order your copy now because you're probably not going to win. But hey, <laughs> we'll be on here. <laughs> we'll be on here trying to give away a copy anyway. Right. Uh, so I think that's it, man. Check out all our old episodes, comment, subscribe. Yeah, check us out at nobudgetpodcast.com. And we'll be talking to you soon, lovelies. <laughs> Peace. Peace out. Hey, all. This is Doug. Uh, normally, this is where you would be listening to a song from Rue, but actually Rue has been working on a collection of his No Budget Nightmares related songs called Be Folk Volume 1, uh, and that will be ready for release at the end of this month, about the 29th or so. Uh, if you want to pick that up, we'll put the link over on our Facebook group. Uh, but if you want to experience some of Rue's amazing music, check out uh, the whole playlist over at nobudgetpodcast.com. Bye-bye.